and I doubt if we make a quorum. Uh, <clears throat> may you flight the agenda in the meantime so that we look at the agenda. Well, Doctor. Okay. All right. So, colleagues, this is the agenda as approved. Uh, we only have, um, it has five matters, uh, but a substantive matter, I think we only have one substantive matter, one or two. Is item number three, a substantive matter, and, and, and item number four, where we consider and adopt uh, the minutes of the 26th of January 2022. Uh, Brian, this is the only set uh, uh, outstanding. That is correct, Chair. Okay. Now, I think we're doing well in terms of approving our own minutes. Yeah, uh, yes. Okay, uh, let, let, let me welcome uh, the colleagues uh, to this platform, sorry, to this meeting. Uh, this being, I think it's the second meeting of the year. We started uh, our meeting, our first meeting was on the 26th of January. Uh, we welcomed all members into the new year and uh, also wish them well as they uh, plan uh, uh, the year ahead. Uh, <clears throat> uh, this morning, we will be receiving a briefing uh, from the Department of Military uh, Veterans on their second and third quarterly reports. We have also included an update on the PTR recommendations. Um, and then uh, expect them to also uh, brief us on progress with respect to the finalization and updating of uh, policies on all uh, services and benefits and especially the public transport, pension, housing, and bursary benefits. There was a reason why uh, we highlighted those. Public transport is because the department uh, was lacking behind on it. Pension, not a single a military veteran uh, uh, was receiving pension. We're not talking about those who were in the SNDF, were integrated and then retired from the SNDF. We're just talking about military veterans in general. Housing, there was a target. We want to see how is the department uh, doing against the target. Uh, bursaries is another issue uh, that um, <clears throat> would require us, the department, to take us through. Those are in the main um, 
uh, bread and butter issues. Um, um, uh, uh, that, <coughs> with respect to, uh, you know, benefits that uh, our, the military veterans um, are entitled to. And, and then, of course, the last item, as I indicated earlier on. And uh, in the meeting, we have the deputy minister uh, of uh, military, of, of deputy minister, of, so we have the minister of defense and the military veterans. Uh, she's in the meeting. Uh, we're going to have uh, the, the deputy minister. I've not had any apology but I was under the impression that he was going to join us. If he's not on the platform, he's going to join us soon. But before I recognize everyone on the platform, let me check, Brian, if uh, there are any apologies. Yes, Chair, there, there is one that we do have. We have an apology from Ingo Sikadekulu, who's uh, also attending another portfolio committee that sits at this time. That is the only apology that we have. Okay. All right. And the members, uh, are there any apologies? Okay. Doesn't look like there is any apology from the on the side of the members. Now let me <clears throat> look at to the department. Minister, um, welcome you officially now. I also welcome the uh, Director General of the department. And um, uh, uh, DG, may you introduce yourself and the team that is accompanying you? Good morning to the Chair. Good morning to the Minister and Deputy Minister and the members of the committee. My name is Irene Mbolwen the Director General for the Department of Military Veterans. I am uh, accompanied by officials. And um, in the midst, I do have Mr. Sandy Sosiango. I will just um, await for the others to join. I can only see Sandy Sosiango on the platform. And we are the two officials that will be driving the presentations uh, to the committee and also to uh, the members as well. Okay. What is uh, Mr. Siango's um, uh, designation in the department as chief director? Eh? Yes, yes, Chairperson. Indeed, Mr. Siango is chief director planning and research in the Department of Military Veterans. Okay. So you still do uh, the CFO is the CFO is still on suspension. The CFO uh, is part of the four uh, members that have been suspended, Chairperson. Uh, is anyone acting in that position? Yes, indeed, Chairperson. There is a person acting, Ms. Zinke Jassam. What is a, a, a formal uh, designation in the department? Zinke. She was... Uh, Director at internal audit within the department. And now acting CFO. Okay. Indeed, Chairperson. All right. No, thank you. Thank you so much, uh, 
<clears throat> I, I, please, can you check if she is in the meeting? Uh, sometimes when you start meetings without the SOD and the CFO, it, it becomes problematic because those are the people that uh, look after the resources of the state. Chair, uh, I have admitted her into the meeting. Oh, okay. No, no, thank you so much. Uh, next time you must not be late. Uh, um, you know, we are the CFO of, 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 of the department and we are discussing issues, uh, rent and sense, and you are accountable in, in that respect. Yes, the DG is the accounting office of the department, but do you have, uh, you perform P, uh, the PFMA uh, responsibilities. All right. Okay. <clears throat> now, uh, having checked that, um, uh, DM, good morning and welcome. Okay. The DM has not joined. Chair, good morning. And uh, is this your good morning to honorable members of the committee? Uh, sorry, Chair. Is this your prison number? That number, I don't know. I'm using a new gadget. Uh, uh, so there are a few things that uh, I'm not quite sure about today. That's why I'm struggling to connect. Thank you very much. Now we'll note that this is your, your phone. Thank you, thank you, your gadget. Thank you so much. Chairperson, Chairperson is that uh, the fourth number of, of, the, um, of the Deputy Minister that we probably see? <laughs> Mr. just loved the military. <laughs> all right, colleagues, thank you very much. Um, all right, I think we do have the quorum. Uh, I can now invite the minister um, to greet us uh, and then uh, give us uh, uh, her opening remarks. Honorable Minister Tandi Modise. Good morning, Chairperson, Honorable Members, Deputy Minister, um, DG, and the delegation. We let me first start by saying that it is a new year. Uh, some of us didn't start it so well, but uh, we are here. We are breathing, and we thank whoever it is that is responsible. And to wish all of us a very industrious and progressive year, not only as the committee and parliament, but as a country. It's important for us to be saying that in this year, Chairperson, every South African is worried about the performance of this particular department report after report that reflects on the state of politics, the state of the economy of this country, looks at the, especially the um, safety and security sector of our government to see how we are performing. And it is important for us therefore to be focusing on stabilization and making government work. That being said, we are appearing today in front of your committee, having me having missed the first meeting of the year because I was not well. 
we appear before you, Chairperson, to respond to the committee's uh, agenda. And the DG will, and her team will, will put the report to you. I must say that we, the Deputy Minister and I, are very concerned about the state of the department. Um, I must say that it doesn't start with me being concerned. I understand that the department has actually had issues for a long time, so please take that into consideration when you, you, you interact with us. But we can also say that despite all of this, we have seen a small positive growth in the department. We are still concerned because sometimes um, it is not just issues of funding, it is issues of the skills, it is issues of us understanding what the intended purpose of any department is and its focus. So I'm going to allow the DG to present a report to you, a report that uh, both the deputy minister and I have had side of, have uh, had a slight disagreement with, have expressed our view on that and had asked for that report to be improved or changed. And I'm hoping that it will be improved or changed as we said, because we respect parliament and we think that at all times we must put our case as honestly as possible in front of the committee. We want to say that we want to ensure that the men and women who gave up their lives and their youth to serve the country on whichever part of, of the big South African family need us as a country, as this department to serve them as honestly, as efficiently as possible. But also because of the state of our economy, every cent that has been given to this department becomes a concern if it does not go to where it should go. So we would want to say to the committee, bear with us, we are really looking at the focus of this department. We think that we might want to go on a retreat where we will invite the committee to come in with us to review our performance over the years since the inception of this committee, to hear even from members of parliament what they think we should do to ensure that um, we really begin to not just uh, totter along, but begin to really perform and to deliver to um, the clients, the veterans of this country. I would like to say that um, uh, the DG and team will put the report. The deputy minister and I cannot walk away from the report. It is supposed to be our report. But as I say, we disagree with the report because we don't think it is focused enough. So that is our first uh, issue, where you have the executive feeling that in fact, we're talking at each other, but that matter is not a matter for discussion today. 
It is a matter that is being escalated. It is a matter that we will deal with differently and away from this community. But it is important for us to pick it up so that it is not interpreted by parliament that we, the executive, just don't care. It just will come to parliament and present whatever we think. Uh, because that is not the case. I would therefore want to say to you, Chairperson, that we should allow the DG to table and let us discuss whatever it is that has come through. Um, we will, as I say, be discussing it further internally. We will be interacting with Treasury on certain aspects of uh, our performance to see how we can deal with issues. I wish to say thank you for the opportunity to greet you, Chairperson, and the committee, and to hand back to you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Minister. We will interact with the report and um, uh, <clears throat> uh, having at the back of our mind the, the fact that um, uh, uh, some of the issues as you have pointed out, um, receiving uh, your, your attention. And uh, <clears throat> hopefully at some point, we'll come back uh, to us um, uh, <clears throat> refined. So, all right. So on that note, uh, let me welcome uh, the DG. Good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, Minister. Good morning, Deputy Minister. And good morning to the members of the Portfolio Committee of Defense and, and Military Veterans. As a department, uh, through Mr. Siango, we will be presenting our report uh, to the portfolio committee on the performance of quarter two and quarter three. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Siango. Thank, thank, thank you, Chairperson. Um, and good um, morning to you, Chair, and, and to the members of the committee. And, and um, good morning to the to the minister and to the deputy uh, minister, and also to the DG and, and, and my colleagues. Uh, as highlighted, uh, this is the consolidated report of quarter two and quarter three. However, uh, Chair, I would slightly try and, 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 and focus more on, on quarter three, but I would highlight some of the issues uh, that have been raised also in, in, in quarter two. In the, in, in the report. The report is going to focus on both uh, performance information and also um, uh, financial information. Um, the, this, the purpose is to brief the committee uh, on the report as, as highlighted. And I, will, I think the slide is very familiar to the, to the committee uh, in terms of the mandate of the department. Um, it, this is a structure of the departments, um, and, and uh, perhaps I will, I will skip this one also. Um, 
uh, it's the structure that we 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 is is I think um, aware that we we are really looking at um, a new reviewing, but I will skip uh, for maybe for a, a, a different day. But then um, uh, coming to the um, to the information uh, then. Uh, Financial information, perhaps let me start by saying the department for this financial year, due to budget cuts uh, across government uh, by National Treasury, um, there was a proposal to cut 100 million from the department. However, uh, 50 million ended up being cut from the department. The baseline was then reduced uh, from 654 to 6, uh, 607 million for, for the year. As we speak currently, at, at the end of quarter three, the, but, uh, the department had spent uh, 219 million of that 607 million, uh, which uh, amounts to about um, you know, uh, 48% of the total appropriation uh, allocated to the department. Um, and then when you look at the various uh, you know categories where the money was spent um you you are seeing that 67% of the money was spent spent on the cost of employment and 48% of the 290 was spent on uh, payments for goods and services and 39% of that money was spent on uh, Transfers and subsidies. Transfers and subsidies is mostly where you we then pay for for the benefits, uh, uh, you know, of military veterans. Then um, this is then it's important that we highlight how we had planned to spend the money. Uh, this is how we had planned, uh, you know, from April 2021, that is last year, that how we're going to phase in spending the money. As we speak, um, as at uh, December 2021, uh, the department was supposed to be uh, sitting at uh, 68% of, of that. Um, uh, however, as you, as I have reported, that we were sitting at uh, 40, um, uh, 48% uh, of that expenditure. Um, then. This is then how we have fed as of December 2021 in terms of benefits. Um, if you, um, maybe I can just quickly reflect in terms of quarter two. Quarter two, uh, all these benefits were red uh, except for burial support, which means we were not doing very well. So we're beginning to see in quarter three that there was uh, um, uh, improvement in terms of uh, money spent. Um, on, on some of the benefits, especially on education support, on healthcare, uh, and also on and compensation of injury uh, to military veterans. Um, we know that uh, for skills development is an area where we have led always in the past, but we foresee that with the interventions that we are putting in place now, that we are going to begin to improve around that particular benefit. A, a, a pension and transport, we have not yet um, uh, implemented those two benefits. The, the SRD, the Social Relief of Distress Chair, 
I think I also need to highlight that uh, how we've been paying that is that we have been paying the top-up grant uh, uh, for military veterans that qualify for the 350 at SASA. The department then pays uh, the top-up of 850 to make it 1,200. So we continue to pay that amount um, uh, to the military veterans. Then when we look at the various, uh, you know, uh, in terms of uh, uh, economic classifications and, and branches, um, you begin to see that uh, administration branch sitting at 61%, whereas the two service delivery branches are sitting at 44%. Um, an improvement from the last financial year chair and, and members is, is the one of uh, empowerment and stakeholder management, uh, where we are beginning to see, uh, you know, that branch beginning to to, to spend its, its allocated budget. And then um, I think I will skip the issues of economic classification because I indicated that earlier in my slide. But I think um, we 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 are, as I indicated. The 39% on transfers and subsidies is mostly the money that is accrued to, to the benefits that we pay for military veterans. Then when we talk then to different branches, um, uh, pay then uh, the sub-programs in, in different branches, um, you begin to see that in, in, in administration branch, um, the cost of employees is is there is a risk there. As such, we are overspending on that. The main reason for that, uh, chair members, is that um, you know there are some people with, from the other branches that are paid, um, you know, under administration branches, uh, you know. Uh, so we have been working with National Treasury uh, to a kind of align. HR has been working with National Treasury to kind of align but to ensure that uh, people are paid where they, they, they are in the, in the department so that it does not uh, cause a, a skewed picture uh, in the department in terms of, of this. So, so that's a misalignment that is there, but this is where the branch is in terms of uh, economic classifications and also in terms of its sub-programs. It's, it's sitting at 61%. And when we talk to socioeconomic support, I must indicate this is where most of the uh, of the benefits are uh, in this branch, sitting at forty four percent. You you are beginning to see here that um, I think um, again here the issue about compensation of employees. You see that it's sitting at thirty seven percent. It's because some of the employees that are here are being paid under administration. Here, you, hence, you see the low kind of uh, expenditure here. However, having said that, also I think uh, the vacancies also in, 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 in this branch are also causing an impact with that expenditure. But as I indicated, then in terms of the subprograms, uh, there's three of them here. It's the Database management is the healthcare, and then it's the socioeconomic support. Uh, you are beginning to see a, a, a big improvement around the healthcare and compensation. Uh, you know, uh, you know, in, 
compensation of for military veterans. Uh, so, which was largely due to the fact that there was a lot of uh, military veterans, uh, or a lot of invoices that were settled in, in quarter three, and there were uh, military veterans that were paid their compensation around around quarter three. Uh, with the database uh, uh, management, we are implementing the integrated database management. Um, uh, we we are gradually improving on that. Uh, I will talk to that uh, you know, uh, later on in my slide, uh, because there is a program that we have entered into uh, with CETA on the automation and digitization of the department, uh, where we, we foresee that there's going to be a huge, we have actually allocated a huge amount of money from the current budget towards that particular project. And we foresee that then um, as we begin to implement and we roll out more modules, and there's going to be more money spent around, around that. And also um, the issue of the verification panel, the budget is allocated under that, that sub-program. Sub so as then, as the work of the verification panel continues, then uh, you know uh, the, the members of the panel and also the activities of the panel get paid under that that particular uh, branch, I mean, sub-program. I've indicated earlier on that we've seen big improvements, or, or, or improvements, let me say big, uh, uh, significant improvements maybe, under this particular branch. Um, and we foresee that um, with, with, with uh, the, the COVID level restrictions around the conferences, uh, you know, that are beginning to happen now. And furthermore, with, with the kind of partnerships that we, we, we are forming uh, with uh, other state organs that will lead to better, uh, you know, structured, structured uh, interventions around skills development and, and job placement. We foresee that uh, going forward, uh, this, this area is really going to improve a lot because I think once we get this right, around the empowerment of military veterans. It's really going to, to ease a lot of uh, uh, pressure around, uh, as, as, as indicated uh, you know, by the minister earlier on. So um, then when we move then to performance information, um, I will try and jump these busy slides so that I can focus on a much more um, you know, simplified slides. Um, this is the outlook now, as we speak, uh, first um, the overall analysis uh, from quarter one to quarter three. Uh, quarter one department was at 33%, quarter two, 38%, at quarter three, it was at 42%. Um, then when we look in terms of um, comparison uh, over a trend analysis over a number of years, we begin to see that uh, uh, for quarter three, we have slightly dropped the ball from the last financial year. Uh, so so on, in, in last year, we were sitting at 46%. It has gone down to 42%. Um, and then for quarter two, also, um, it, it, it had dropped uh, from 2021 financial year. Then when we go then to specific branches, uh, we begin to see then that uh, out of the two for quarter three targets that 
were planned in, in, in uh, administration, one was achieved, which translates to 50%. Here, chair and members, there are five indicators um, which uh, will appear in the annual report of the department. However, for quarter three, uh, the planned indicators that were going to be reported on were only two. However, we do report the progress, uh, if you look at this slide, in terms of how we're doing on those other indicators that we are not reporting on in that particular quarter. Uh, we just, uh, as, as guided by the portfolio committee, that we must not just leave blank spaces and, 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 and we must also always give progress in terms of what is it that we have done in that quarter. As I indicated, uh, the issue of the integrated database management, uh, we feel that uh, we are doing very well around, around that, uh, that partnership with CETA. And we foresee that once that, uh, that project of automation of the department is, is up and running, it's going to alleviate a lot of inefficiencies in the department. And, and then um, uh, around uh, the issue of, uh, I will skip the indicators that we're going to report in quarter four, which talk to HR issues, but however, the progress here is, is reflected in terms of uh, what is it that we're doing to ensure that when we get to quarter four, we have achieved uh, those those uh, those particular targets. We are really not doing that bad around the issue of disability in the department and also women uh, percentage of representation of women at SMS level. Um, and and one of the things uh, perhaps I need to indicate that is that uh, you know especially on the issue of. Uh, disabilities, uh, when we engage HR about this, uh, that uh, indicated that, uh, you know, uh, that targeted recruitment is required for us to be able to maintain uh, this, this particular target. Because I think at FOSAT level, I think at government level, DPSA requires some of these uh, statistics, statistics to report on. When we move then to program two, um, program two, uh, as I indicated it's where most of the benefits are. Uh, also similarly to, to here is that we, we report on different indicators every quarter. In, in some indicate most of well we report um, a different number of indicators in each quarter. Um, you know some we really report uh, at, at the end of the, the financial year but however uh, we do provide progress in terms of uh, how far what, what we are doing in those in the other in the other quarters. So, as a quarter three out of the five plans, uh, one was achieved, and and uh, these are the reasons. I, I want really to focus on on the issue of um, uh, the pension. Um, the, the, the issue of the pension, we, we have um, been given a, a directive or a guidance to say that this, this must be paid from the 1st of April uh, 2022. And um, we have worked on the, on the policy around this uh, and consulted the policy and, and got adequate or, or, or sufficient or the required guidance and, and, and advice around it. But the only matter that was remaining 
was the issue of uh, the budget implications for the implementation of this policy. So now we have uh, we have been working. Um, we we've got a company that we are working well. Um, expertise uh, that are going to assist us then to develop those budget editorial expertise that are going to help us to actually provide a forward-looking, um, you know, uh, you know, uh, implications for government in terms of uh, of the implementation of this policy. The verification work, if I go back to PPI 201, continues. I know that capacity has been beefed up there. It started in Gauteng and is going to be going to other provinces. And then, uh, Chair, when I move to the issue of, um, um, I've spoken to, to, to um, okay, the issue of passages, maybe I also need to, to, to say something around there, education support, because there have been challenges around, around that area. Uh, the applications for new new learners was extended to 31st of January, um, and uh, it has been closed now. So we're busy as a department, um, you know, adjudicating and and and, and providing the the letters uh, to to the parents and dependents. What we we have also done here. To, to reach out to military veterans is that uh, there is a team that goes around to provinces, um, you know, to, they, they would normally, uh, you know, uh, have a, a place where they would be based in that particular province and they would, that, that will be communicated to military veterans so that then if military veterans have issues around uh, education support, then they visit the team so that those issues uh, then get get resolved. Uh, so far, as at December, there were 2,650 2, learners um, that were approved uh, for 2021. For, for for the that were approved um, for 2022 academic year. Um, and then with regards to healthcare, uh, we are. As I indicated, we, we for for quarter three uh, there was an improvement around uh, you know uh, access to healthcare because as we saw that uh, you know the um, I think it talks to both healthcare and also PPI two o um, two o eight uh, healthcare and dedicated counselling. With the relaxation of the COVID levels, uh, uh, we saw because some of these things require contact uh, to be made. So hence, then um, we saw improvement around um, you know access uh, 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 um, uh, access to these particular benefits. And moreover, I must indicate for for the access to healthcare, uh, uh, I think there's been. Uh, an improvement in terms of our relationship uh, with the uh, South African Military Health Service uh, in terms of how we, we collect invoices and we are able to account uh, for military veterans that have accessed uh, the services um, in, in those facilities. So, so I'm sure in quarter four, we should be able to achieve that target of 19,100 that has been planned for the year, which is uh, cumulative. As I indicated, uh, we've seen 
significant improvement in this branch, where now we're sitting at 60, 60%. Um, this branch is, is, is very important, chair members, because it deals with issues of empowerment of military veterans. Hence, you would see in our report, we have highlighted some of the, how we are trying to reposition it, such that it focuses on issues of, um, uh, uh, professionalize how military veterans are provided with skills development. And to the extent that uh, we are looking at exit strategies where military veterans get trained, uh, they are provided uh, with other job opportunities or business uh, opportunities. So you look at the at the at the at, at the organizations or, or state organs that we have targeted to partner with, uh, which some of these uh, agreements are at really at an advanced stage. I think some have been signed, where we are really looking at. Um, at, at, at then how we, we improve the empowerment of military veterans because we feel that if we get this right, Chair, as I indicated, it's really going to help us going forward. Um, 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 it talks also to issue of, of uh, employment placement. Uh, we are really looking at um, uh, one of the things that we have included in the skills development policy is, is the issue of um, providing tools of trade to military veterans so that when a military veteran gets trained, then they are able for themselves to, 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 um, uh, to, um, to either get into, into, into business for their small businesses or um, uh, we, we, for example, in the partnership that we are having with Sandral, one of the issues Sandral raised when we engaged them was that they would have opportunities, but then, um, you know, military veterans would not have the requisite uh, capacity and tools of trade to participate in those business opportunities. Hence, we have said that we need to assist the military veterans to provide tools of trade so that they are able to participate even in these bigger, bigger contracts. Then these are just statistics, uh, chair and members, with regards to HR or in terms of where we are in the department. Um, we do have some vacancies, especially um, the, uh, we, we don't have the, the layer that is supporting the DG. We know one DDG is suspended and two, two others are vacant, but those two, two vacant DDG posts have been advertised. But again, with uh, uh, I think now in January, beefed up uh, the some some layer in the in the senior management where we have appointed a director legal and also director HRM human resources management. We have also appointed deputy director labor relations uh, and uh, who else has been appointed? Um, I know there were four appointments now in, in January. And we're also looking at now, um, uh, uh, there are positions that were advertised sometime uh, last year. We're looking at doing shortlisting for those so that we ensure that uh, then we will make those appointments to, to fill in the vacant positions. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. Okay, thank, thank you very much. Dichi, um, do you still want to make uh, further comments?
chairperson on on the presentation not not now uh, i think we will be if we may be allowed to do the presentations um i am not sure what is going to be the sequence that we are expected to do am i expected to add on or comment no, no, no. I was checking if um, the, she, he presented on your on, on, on your behalf. I was checking if uh, he if he covered everything that you had asked him to present. From from our side, chairperson, he has. Uh, it's just to add on one uh, area of the person that we also appointed in the four appointments we've done in January. Uh, it's a person that is dealing with, uh, is a deputy director HR planning, which is going to assist us uh, in terms of planning within the HR uh, sector of the department. Uh, hence, he was saying that uh, we've beefed up some of the critical positions, uh, which is a HR legal and labor relations. No, it's fine. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks, Chairperson. Thank you, DJ. Colleagues, um, I now open the platform for uh, discussion, comments, and uh, questions. Um, looking, uh, all right. Uh, Honorable Tabo and uh, Honorable Mate, sorry, Honorable Tabo Mate and Honorable Mare. And Honorable Mate, hey, that's a new pronunciation, eh? Never heard that one. <laughs> it's a new year. Still early. No, 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 thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Chair. Uh, I, I just want uh, to find uh, out or get a clarity from uh, uh, the presenter uh, as we welcome this presentation. Uh, he made mention of the fact that uh, uh, they, they, they are continuously engaging on skill development and engaging certain uh, uh, state entities or institution that will come on board. And you only made mention of uh, Sandra. What are the other entities that uh, uh, they have uh, reached? a consensus with uh, on this uh, program of empowering uh, military veterans and what are the timelines in terms of implementation. Uh, I'm asking that because we don't want a situation whereby these programs are open-ended and nothing really uh, 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 touches the ground. Uh, Secondly, it's on uh, uh, the the continuous uh, training that uh, they are reporting uh, on 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 logistics system. How far how far actually are they in terms? I know they made mention of uh, 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 really getting somebody to to feel to actually be permanent on operation, but they also made mention of, uh, since the I think uh, the first quarter, I mean, the second quarter and the third quarter, uh, they've been uh, 
they are talking of uh, training. So what is the status uh, on that training? And what is, uh, what, what is the, the rationale behind the training uh, the staff whilst you intend to, to get somebody? I'm not sure whether you want to get that person. Uh, create that particular position uh, and fill it with somebody internally that you have trained or you'll get somebody outside. What is the rationale? How are you going to strike a balance there? Yeah, I think uh, uh, those are, are, are the two questions that uh, I, I seek clarity on, Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Muche. Uh, Mr. Murray. Thank you, Chair. Um, Chairperson, um, I've got just one or two questions on clarity. In terms of the presentation, that is not clear at all. And I just want to find out from you whether I can first have the clarity in terms of certain slides, because there's some sums and percentages that doesn't make uh, sense. But I just want clarity for that. Uh, and can we then uh, do questions in, uh, in, uh, in terms of what I've got, because it might impact on my questions. No, 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 you are, you are right. You need clarity first. Uh, yeah. Maybe just uh, raise those issues of clarity okay. and ask them to uh, uh, respond and then still ask you to uh, fill the questions or follow-up questions. Thank you, Chair. Um, if, if we look at uh, and, and the relevant um, slides, we'll, we'll start with slide 27. Uh, if you look at slide 7, those percentages, I just wanted to make sure about those percentages because um, the, 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 the second last bullet says that two, uh, 290 million was spent. Um, uh, and, and, and then it says it's 48% of the total appropriation. Now, 290 is not even, uh, that, that is the only one that is true because the other ones doesn't make sense. The last um, uh, bullet refers to 290 million rand and then they split 86,6 million rand is 67 of that amount, which is obviously not true. It cannot be, it's only 30 something percent. And, and the same with the cost of employees, um, and the same with um, with the others that I mentioned. There. It doesn't add up to 100. percent So I just want that. And then this. And then the second slide. They are still um, just, working just, on. Just before, Mr. Murray, let yeah. me ask them. Let me ask them to clarify this while you are still on the slide. So that um, we we move to the next slides. Um, uh, having received. A, a can, can can I just say that that slide? You must also. So read slide 10, where, where it refers to the 290, the budget of 607, and then they say available budget. In other words, it's after the 290 was spent, and then that 290 is 48% of the 316 million. And I mean, we, we uh, how can you measure what you've already spent as a percentage of what is left over? And that relates back to those questions on, on slide 7. So, so uh, uh, um, uh, that 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 obviously doesn't make sense, um, you know. And those don't add up to hundred and and the, and the amount. So uh, I just want us to get to exactly the same percentages of what we are talking about and what is left over, because the percentages must always add to uh, add up to hundred. 
Okay, just before we leave uh, this slide, all right, uh, Mr. Mare, you are saying what was spent is 290 million 660,000 rand, isn't it? Okay, it's uh, 607,030 uh, yes. million. Okay, the, the, the amount available and spent as at the third quarter is 316 uh, million, um, right? Yeah. The, that, that amount, the amount spent is 48%. What is the question? Uh, the, the amount spent is 48% on the available budget, not on the total budget. So, I mean, to, 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 uh, I'm not quite sure what is the purpose to give us a percentage, not of the budget, but what is left over of the budget after it has been spent. I'm not quite sure what the argument with that is. I would rather see uh, the percentage of, of spent of the, the of the budget that is available. I, I must okay. just, I, I must Mara, just refer in the same stance, you know, what is... Mara, 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 so that yes. you don't confuse me, let, let's, let's, let's stop with, at this. The, this is 48% uh, spent. Right. So can the, yes. can can the, can can we get carriage on this one? What is this? What does this forty eight percent represent? That's the two hundred and ninety million comma six, which is correct, correct. of what right. is already of, of of what is already spent. But when you look at the last budget, uh, the last bullet, it says of the total spent of two hundred and ninety six million eighty six million or sixty seven percent was spent on cost of employees. That's obviously not true. 116,5 or 48 was payment. Uh, and, you know, if you add the 67 plus 48 plus 39 plus 31%, that's way then more than 100%. Because it says clearly of that amount, this was spent. And those percentages obviously doesn't add up. Okay, can, you have that can, can you have that clarified, please? Um, uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, I think uh, the member uh, on slide 10, uh, he did indicate, confirm that the 48% is accurate because that is the amount spent um, uh, as at the 31st of um, December. So when you add the 290 and 316, they should give you this would tally back to the original budget amount. So that uh, has been clarified. But now, if we are focusing only on the uh, per economic classification, which we have about um, uh, compensation of employees, which is our first economic class, wherein we are indicating, um, Mrs. Young, can you please go to slide uh, two? Seven, seven, slide seven. As, as we have got it, as we have got it. Yes, if you go there on that slide, we are saying compensation of employees um, constituted a 67% of the amount that is being spent. It, it does not have to um, agree to a 100% uh, member. That is according to our own calculation. Um, I Fortunately, I did this presentation, so... Uh, the figures are correct. I can share with you the methods that we have used to reach to those percentages, but I can confirm to you that they are correct in terms of our methodology. Thank you.
80, 86,6, 67% of 290. Well, you know, I mean, that's okay. And then the next slide. No, 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 slide. Let's, let's, let's check that. The 86 million rand is 86 million rand uh, of 290. Yeah. yeah. What is uh, that percentage? I can say for that's 30, 32%. CFO? Um, Chairperson? All right. Okay. The total spent is 290. Yes. Right? 86.6 million rand was spent on, on, on COE. Is that what you're saying? That's that's what they are saying. That's twenty nine. And, and, and then, Mr. Mare's question is 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 it correct when you say uh, eighty six million rand is sixty seven percent of two ninety of two ninety? Um, it should, it should be um sixty seven percent of the entire budget. But let me, Chairperson, uh, um, can I be given just time to just get back to my calculations, probably I'll yeah. give you that before the end of the meeting. Yeah, because that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't add up. Okay. Yes, person, and then the, the next slide, the very next slide, um, although in the previous one, they indicated that the budget had to be adjusted to six or seven million. The next slide still referred to actual planning is to spend 654 million. Um, the first, the first line is budget planning, um, and that I can uh, uh, see that it was in originally a six five to fifty four, but the actual must now obviously be adjusted to to six oh seven, because we cannot plan to spend six fifty four anymore, uh, except if if we are planning to overspend. You you, you are right, uh, CFO. What is the comment on that? Yes, uh, thank you, uh, Chairperson. The slide, uh, the member is correct. It still refers to the original budget. And the reason for that is that this, uh, some of these um, uh, standard templates, we only get them from the National Treasury. Then we can update our own records. I'm sure at the time of, present, of preparing the presentation, um, um, maybe we, the information was not necessarily updated, but it's still reflect the original budget that I can confirm. Chairperson. Um, All right. Chairperson, okay. but in that light, we should then have information to say how they are, are they planning to spend the new one? Um, in other words, the approved one, 607 and not 654. So, so that was just clarity that I was um, seeking in that regard, Chairperson. Uh, um, okay. so, I, so I will... I will first stand back in terms of my questions, and uh, then after the others has made their their, their questions, I can do mine, sir. No, no, no. You, 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 you. I, I thought. But I proceed. Yes. This. this okay. Looking to to ask clarity questions. Okay. Before those questions, you can you can. Now... Just, a, just just a comment quickly. Um, I know that all of us are inundated by inquiries by military veterans. And it seems like the eco economy has caught up with them as well. So the pressure is going to be enormous on, on this department um, for, 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 for uh, benefits going into the, in, into the future. Um, I have got just um, a few questions in this regard. 
The, the minister has indicated that there will be talks with National Treasury. Given that the 22-23 budget we know has been completed, uh, and we will we have that budget in a week or two. Um, is she referring then in terms of discussions with National Treasury for the next financial year? Um, because that must be made clear to all possible military veterans that, that what the minister is talking about is in the future, is not the, the 22-23 financial year. That's the first one. Um, then just a, a general one to the, to the department. Uh, some of the questions and the complaints that we received is that they struggle to get hold of the department, the phones that are ringing, uh, and they can, cannot get hold of, of, of officials. I must admit on the other side that where we have interacted with the department and with people at the database and even the benefits, they have been incredibly helpful. So. So while there's a frustration on the on the military veteran side in terms of approaching the department in an in an increasing number, um, uh, uh, wonderful work has been done, and I can only uh, uh, you know express my appreciation for what they've done. I wonder if 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 the, either the minister or the DG can respond in terms of of this complaint, and how are we going to remedy that, Mr. Murray? Can, yes, can, we, can we finish questions on the budget and and and, and, the, and the budget performance in general? Once okay. we are done, we'll then get back to questions of uh, just a general nature, so that we put this one behind us. Okay, okay, I I, I will do that. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, person, I, I will I will just stop there. Oh, the other one is just on healthcare. Uh, okay, but that's not a budget issue. It's a general. It's a general one. It's not a budget issue. So um, I will stand back at this stage. No, no. Th thank you so much. And I also have two questions, uh, colleagues. Uh, one is the top-up grant. Um, how, how will the military uh, veterans uh, identified? Um, and uh, how many? Uh, were able to access uh, this grant. I just want to see the performance um, of uh, uh, the, this grant. Uh, and then the second, the second point is, um, I see that um, you have spent 39% um, on transfers and subsidies. And uh, I know that um, I would know. I know for a fact that um, schools would be one of the transferees. I hope I'm correct. And um, uh, uh, who else were the recipient of, recipients of these uh, transfers and uh, and subsidies, so that uh, I get a sense of how was this money uh, spent uh, by the department and. Uh, uh, Thank you very much. Those are the two questions I have. Over to you, DJ. Chair. Chairperson. Yes, sorry. I, I, raised, I, I raised my hand. Oh, okay. Mr. Pickers, I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you, Chair. Chair, uh, 
I also want to thank them for the presentation. And uh, I just want to, I, I think I have two questions. But the first one is, Chair, that the slow spending of, of the department has a direct impact on the military veterans not receiving services. And, and I think that can't be right, Chair. So the department really needs to address what is important and that is to ease the lives of our military veterans. That is just a comment, Chair. The one uh, is the lack of capacity in the department and it leads to uh, delaying of payments and checking of invoices. So is there a process or what are they doing to address that problem? Then secondly, Chair, the underspending of 5.8 million on the compensation of employees is was due to vacancy near positions, and they only report on a filling of a vacancy in HR. So, what is the status of of the the other vacancies? And my last one, chairs, we always raise the concern of queries raised by military veterans and the fact that they did not respond timely. Do they have measures in place to monitor the effectiveness of their responses? And what is the percentage of applications received in the last quarter? Maybe I missed that one. And uh, from which provinces? Thank you, Chair. Uh, th thank you very much. And uh, let me just check if there's... Okay, that was the last hand. Uh, thank you, colleagues. Um, DJ, over to you. Thank you very much to the chair and the members uh, on their questions. Um, I think I would start by the first uh, a, a question that was raised with regards to uh, the engagement on skills development and the state institutions that the department has approached and um, what, what consensus have we reached with them and what are the timelines. The department has engaged uh, various institutions we started by engaging the institutions that are related with skills development and empowerment, the CITAS, state, uh, 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 state information technology, which we had an understanding of the presentation of our department in terms of our status with ICT and our connectivity as our department has been operating manually. That's the first institution that we felt is very crucial for us to improve our efficiencies in the department in terms of our military veterans accessing benefits on time with speed and with the necessary efficiencies that are, are, are needed in the space. CETA, we have currently uh, engaged and we signed an MOU on various areas that we need some assistance on. We, of course, need assistance in the area of automating the department, completely ensuring that the department uh, runs like all other departments. SASA has traveled the journey. Um, Home Affairs has also traveled the journey. And we are the ones now that are getting on board as well to engage with CETA. And CETA has put up a project uh, that consists of three legs. Sorry, 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 DJ. I, I know you want to give us information on that aspect. I think you have answered the question in, rela in relation to CETA. Uh, and uh, who else um, you, you had a uh, partnership with on skills development? Uh, 
I also think that the member asked about time frames and how it's going to benefit the military veterans. As I was saying that CETA has got uh, two legs. The other leg is the capacity building of the military veterans uh, with the partners that they have. Microsoft um, is one partner. Nemisa is one partner. And uh, of course, um, uh, we've got MTN as a partner. And military veterans will be getting a basic uh, training on ICT. And of course, uh, they will be getting some tools of trade so that they can be able to connect with the world and connect and do their own businesses, but also connect to the department as well. So that program has got those legs that are going to ensure that everyone is connected, is able to access the information uh, that they need and also update the information. But certain areas, of course, will be locked and uh, will be only allowing the officials to, to engage on. At a provincial level, it will create, again, more efficiencies. We are still meeting with CETA. They uh, had the proposal that the, trade, the basic training on ICT will be starting on the 14th of February. Uh, that's amongst other institutions that we have tried to engage. Of course, there's local government CETA, uh, construction CETA, um, and also we've spoken to SALGA. We've spoken to, to various institutions. We've written a letter recently to the high education, Department of Higher Education and Training, which said that they'll open up their TVET colleges to ensure that our military veterans come on board. As we are unfolding this financial year, we are sure to get into the new financial year and starting with the programs that have been planned for the military veterans. Okay. In the area of, of logis, uh, let me give my colleague um, an opportunity to get deeper into the explanation of what we are doing with logis uh, as the member has requested us to do so. Uh, thank you, DG. Uh, through you, Chairperson. Um, the issue of finally implementing uh, logis is, is still uh, remains a challenge at Chepesen. Um, and this has been a challenge, I think, for quite some time. Um, what we have done um, uh, this year is that uh, the DG has given us approval to appoint staff. I think we have did highlight onto that. However, HR has not been able to assist us in terms of appointing staff the, the, to appoint um, the additional members within the SCM. Uh, this person is critical for the utilization and implementation of Logis because Logis requires a CISCON just like BUS. So we need a dedicated Logis CISCON who's going to work with the entire procurement team to ensure that uh, the logits uh, functions as it should and the necessary reports are, are prepared on the system and all the work that uh, the system should be doing. However, the challenge that uh, we have been uh, faced with uh, within procurement is that we are very limited in terms of capacity. Sy systems requires proper segregation of duties. So in this instance, uh, we've been working very closely with the state SA who we are... Um, you know, learning from them because we have an intention and a plan really to work towards a, a, a clean audit. So since they've been getting clean audits for some time, so we've been doing a lot of benchmark with them and we've got a team that really was willing to work with us. They came and assessed our team and they were also of the view to say, we'll not be able to exercise, you know, the required segregation of duties on the system until such time that we appoint a, a, a critical position like a logistics con 
uh, besides uh, the need for the training, which has already taken place, but it is critical that we, we segregate duties on the system. So that's where we are standing uh, members at the moment. We are working on the issue uh, with the new director HR uh, on board. We have tabled uh, this important uh, uh, requirement for the department to finally put uh, the logic system um, uh, to finally implement the logic system and they are assisting us. So it is something that is currently in progress and we are aware of the importance uh, that, uh, you know, of the importance of having Ulogis finally uh, functional. Also on, on my side, um, you know, when we prepare, prepare financial statements, we really need credible information for information such as your accruals and commitments. So um, we do want uh, really the logis to finally be put uh, in place, but there are challenges um, based on the explanation that I've provided to, to the committee. Thank you. So when was Locus acquired? I know the AG made a, a comment on Locus. What was that comment uh, um, uh, saying? Um, thank you, Chairperson. The comment is to the effect of some hosting fees, you know, um, of which it's something that we have, um, we are working towards, like I've advised Chairperson, which is, um, yeah, which goes along with the fact that we have a system, but, um, you know, we've got some challenges in terms of implementing it. So that, that's where um, the audit queries were, were around. The other question, when was it acquired? At what cost? Um, Chaperson, the LOCUS is a national, uh, it's, a, it's a government transversal system. Um, it should be used by all government departments. And um, as far as, uh, as my understanding, Chaperson, um, from our side, we have acquired the fact that we are a national uh, uh, government department, so uh, it should have been acquired when the department was established. But um, I'm subject for correction because I've only joined the department in 2019. So I think on my other um, original uh, role of uh, head of internal audit, I have, it's an issue also that I've been monitoring over the years to say we really need to put uh, logis uh, into implementation, which makes a lot of um, uh, work easy, you know, and bring about a lot of efficiencies. So um, um, that's what I, I would like to indicate that it is a transversal system. It has been there for quite some time. So I want to believe that when the department was established uh, back in 2012-13, then the logistics system uh, should have been introduced uh, at the same time as the bus system. Thank you. And you have not um, come on board uh, simply because you don't do not have um, uh, enough uh, personnel. And you said HR is not coming to the party. Uh, DG, um, what what is the what is your view in relation to this? I mean, she can't be talking as if HR is in another department is and it's not part of the department and reporting to you. Chairperson, as the acting CFO has presented to say that uh, immediately when we picked up that there's challenges in that area, I gave an instruction that uh, if there's no post, it should we should ensure that we have 
uh, people that can be trained uh, provisionally to be able to, to run the system. And at the same time, we needed to ensure that we have a permanent position uh, to advertise so that we can be able to stabilize that section. And indeed, uh, she is quite correct that I made that instruction to HR. And as she said, as she has said currently that we have capacitated HR to ensure that all these critical posts are given attention. And I think it's due to our capacity that was lacking at HR that we have not been picking up, not only on this position, but on other positions as well that have not been advertised for quite some time. And I'm, 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 I'm seeing some improvement since the, the, the new director has, has just started and they are consolidating all the critical positions. As it has been mentioned here, the two deputy director general positions that are supporting the department at the highest level have also been advertised. And also other positions at lower levels are going to be advertised going forward. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Okay. All right. Uh, we may continue with... Uh, sure. uh, yes, Mr. Mutle. Can I make a follow-up or should I wait till uh, they are done uh, responding? Follow-up on this one? Yes. Okay, you are welcome to do so. All right. Th thank you very much, Chair. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not satisfied uh, because I don't think uh, my questions were correctly captured. My, my first question was in relation to empowerment of uh, uh, military veteran versus uh, uh, the skill development that uh, they seek to offer to military veteran. And uh, the DG made mention of CITAS uh, 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 and uh, she doesn't come clear on timelines and program because for me, seated where I'm seated, uh, the reason why I need clarity is that you'll train a military veteran, for example, uh, uh, to have access to 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 the internet or the the, the so-called uh, technological world. Uh, Firstly, are you going to provide them with smart gadgets, so forth and so on, for them to be able to to partake in that uh, in that world, if one may, may may say so? Secondly, with other aspects of uh, empowerment, for an example, the presenter made mention of Sandra. If we have agreed with Sandra on a program to empower. A military veteran. Sandra is focused on uh, road infrastructure. You must be able to say we have agreed with Sandra that they will empower military veteran, and empowering them means that uh, uh, it's either they are going to employ them as an institution, uh, secondly, they are going to give them opportunity uh, in terms of business uh, on on their program of uh, road maintenance and construction, so forth and so on. If we have agreed, you must be able to say, as the Department of Military Veterans, this is the program that we have embarked on, and these are the military veterans that uh, are interested in that uh, particular field. And, and our, our program to 
impart skills on them so that they can partake in those programs. We'll start from point A and end at point C and we'll hand them over to Sandral and for Sandral to empower them. I'm not hearing that. All that I'm hearing is uh, skill development of uh, the vision that uh, the G has with the department, not necessarily what will translate to empowering military veterans. Thank you, Chair. Thank you so much, um, Etiji. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, getting into the first part uh, on the program that we are doing jointly with um, the CETA and the other institutions, it does carry uh, as part of the program the tools of trade as the member has indicated. Uh, hence, they will be taken through the ICT the centers themselves to be able to utilize the tools of trades that they will be provided. It is indeed a comprehensive program that empowers them to be able to participate and having the tools of trade. And that was uh, also another key thing that was recommended. Uh, furthermore, it was also indicated uh, in terms of the comprehensive program to say that also in time of COVID, the military veterans can be able to use those tools of trade to connect with departments, to connect and do their own business and connect and do further training that may be needed amongst themselves. And of course, it's a program that is meant to, to take the military veterans uh, into independence and also sus be sustainable in terms of looking at their own development and looking at other opportunities that you can open up when you are having a gadget of this nature. With regards to the project at Sandra, the project at Sandra uh, is, uh, has got uh, phases. Indeed, my colleague indicated that opportunities at Sandra were open. Upon the discussion with Sandra, it came across that military veterans, in fact, not maybe to say military veterans, most of the previously disadvantaged groups have opportunities at Sandral, but what was picked up is that they usually come with no uh, tools of trade to participate and their portion ends up going back to those people who are more uh, uh, enriched in terms of the tools of trades and that they can have the machinery and the equipment. And the first phase that we have embarked on again is the phase of ensuring that the necessary equipment that uh, we are talking about in terms of road maintenance and the first program that we're looking at is a pothole program. We have the tools of trade that can be able to assist the military veterans. And we are working closely with Sandral in the new financial year. The program is going to start. We have had initially a program plan, a program charter that we are revising. Uh, again with Sandral to ensure that it's going to tally with the work that we have been given. Uh, it is also interesting to say that our sister department has also opened up an opportunity for the military veterans and the equipment that we've acquired to do on the job training by looking at the campuses and ensuring that uh, those campuses are also maintained. Uh, it's, those are some of the negotiations that we are dealing with with our sister department, UDOD. And also we have um, embarked in talking with uh, the local government CETA, which we have signed an MOU that is going to do a comprehensive training that is going to be needed for the, uh, we are starting with the pothole program at the moment. We have not uh, gone through other projects 
that are uh, provided by Sandra. So the joint plan will be starting uh, in the new financial in, in the new financial year. We kick in in the new financial year. The, the member is also saying that uh, how do we create uh, in terms of the balance? The, the balance, I think my colleague tried to explain to say that uh, the sustainability of the military veterans is directed to the fact that they can be able to make a choice of opening up their own business, which the department has been assisting them, but also direct them to the businesses that other institutions have offered, like Sandra. And of course, we are talking to the Department of uh, Public Works, and which has also agreed to assist us in, in, the, in, the, in the partnership on infrastructure projects. I thank you, Chairperson. Okay. Can we uh, respond to the other questions as well? Thank you, Chairperson. I, I think uh, we, we were asked to, to, to move uh, in terms of the discussion on finances. Uh, I would get to my colleagues to, to, to engage into the issue around the complaints uh, as it has been raised and how we are dealing with the complaints. Uh, Mr. Siango can assist in that area. We still have other questions uh, that are related to the budget. I will deal with those later. Um, uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, I think another question that was asked relating to the budget is the issue of transfers. What are the other transfers other than skills? I can confirm that uh, we also have uh, also doing transfers in terms of burial claims, wherein uh, the military veterans would apply for burial of um, of the of of um, of the members of the military veterans, and also the housing is also treated and paid for under housing. I mean, under transfers and subsidies, compensation, as well as counselling. So those are the other things, uh, Chairperson, that are included under transfers. Okay. Uh, top up, uh, how were the veterans uh, identified and uh, how many uh, were able to access the top up? Okay. The, the, thanks, Chair. I will, I will come in there, Chair. The, the military veterans were identified. Uh, okay. Chair, there was a, a call by government to pay that 350 grand, <clears throat> okay? And then, um, so so they, then the military veterans would have to, like any other South African, apply to SASA uh, for that 350 uh, grand. Then all the verification in terms of whether you qualify for that would happen at SASA. Then what happened is that a decision was taken to say that uh, because of the situation that military veterans face themselves in, those that have been approved at SASA, the department must actually provide a top up uh, of 850 to make that money uh, to be 1,200 rands. So how we identify them is that the military veteran would have to bring a proof that they have been approved and, and paid um, and, and, and the 350 paid by SASA, and then the department would then pay the top up uh, at 850 um, based on those uh, on those uh, documents. 
So far, we have paid 1,125 uh, military veterans the top of grant. Thank okay. you, Chair. Thank you. All right. Um, I guess you have exhausted. Are there any questions, colleagues, on, on the part? I mean, there are questions that uh, Ms. Bukas raised. Have you answered them? Yes. Yes, Chair. Um, around inefficiencies and provinces, uh, Chair members, um, Okay, these two critical interventions that we have introduced. The first one is that uh, we, we've got provincial coordinators who are sitting at middle management level in, in the provinces, in all nine provinces. We've got uh, an assistant director there and the deputy director. And recently we've, I think late last year, appointed administrative officers in those offices. So the, the deputy directors have now been invited or, or, or are now participating in the management meetings of the department. Because what we did pick up is that there are a lot of things that are happening in the provinces that uh, require management intervention. And we, we never get to hear of them up until uh, they become serious grievances for military veterans. So we have brought them provincial coordinators now to management meetings so that we, we get to understand, you know, what are the issues that are being raised in the provinces and what are the issues that are there, you know, in the provinces. And secondly, recently, what we've also done here in the headquarters is that uh, uh, because we've, we've had challenges around education and uh, uh, I think DG mentioned this issue mostly because of the manual operations of things. There is a team that has been put together here. It sits here on the third floor. As, as members visit uh, the basement in the education support uh, reception, there is a register, um, a, a, a register which basically uh, takes information of, of everyone who comes into the department and why they came into the department. And when the person leaves the department, they need to indicate what was the output of that particular visit for the day. So the team that sits here in the third floor looks at that register on a daily basis and they follow up with veterans, whether they've been assisted or not assisted. So we've got um, uh, that register. I'm sure we can make that particular register. We only started implementing that now in February. We can make that visible uh, so that um, uh, you begin to see how we're tracking the cases since we don't at the, at the particular moment have a, an automated kind of system that can assist us with that. So I think those are the two critical interventions that we are trying to, 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 to put in place just to ensure that we, we, we monitor and we follow up on the issues that have been raised by, by veterans. Thank you, Chair. Okay. All right. So, uh, Mr. Murray, you had general questions. Yes, thank you very much, Chair. Um, my, my general questions was, and I, I will maybe just repeat that, the, the minister has indicated that, um, that uh, first of all, that, um, you know, there will be discussions with National Treasury. And my question was whether that will then only apply for the 20... Uh, the next financial year and not the 22-23 financial year uh, and what we can expect from that. Um, and then also together with that, um, 
the, the minister has also indicated right in the beginning, basically that she and the deputy minister is, is not happy with this presentation. And, and I was just wondering um, how regular the minister gets, gets updates from the, the department, um, you know, so that she is fully in, in, uh, informed right on a continuous basis so, so that certain interventions can take place and maybe the minister can share with us you know, what kind of interventions has been decided and how regular she gets this, this feedback report. Uh, Chairperson, then um, I have uh, um, indicated about complaints and how the complaints will be dealt with now going into the future. Another complaint uh, that we regularly receive, uh, and maybe it's, it's specifically with regards to the, to the old SACC members, where they said that they get uh, sometimes not good treatment at the Cape Town office, uh, and and apparently it's been told to them by by the persons in the in the MV office. Uh, it's because they are old SADF members. So I just want a response on that. Uh, and then in terms of going forward, um, it was indicated that pensions will will they will start paying that out from April onwards. And and my question is just that in terms of the budget. And we know that it's been cut last year by 50 million rand. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the, the GDP doesn't very look, look very bright going into the future. Maybe they know more than we do about, about the uh, upcoming budget. How, how do they foresee that that impact will be? Um, first of all, you know, the amount of, of pension per month. How many applications do they expect or, or do they already have? And, and on what basis will they then allocate pensions going forward? Because there must be a, some system of, of, of when, not everybody will be able to get, but only some. So if you can get that. And the other one that we also regularly receive feedback on is, uh, for example, a, a, a military veteran take a taxi from Limpopo to one military hospital. They wait the whole day there, and then they have to return um, back home without being being treated. Are there any other options for those military veterans, for instance, provincial hospitals or provincial clinics? Uh, are there any developments in that regard uh, in terms of, of uh, um, MOUs with the Department of, of Health as well in the provinces? Thank you very much, Chair. Would you mind, Mr. Murray, if I suspend uh, the discussions on uh, uh, benefits until we get uh, we receive a presentation on the on the on the policies and the, the finalization of policies and the implementation of the benefits uh, flow, flowing from uh, flowing uh, thereof would you mind Mr. Mare? Mr. Mare is muted he's, he's talking my apologies, my apologies, Chair. I've got no problem if we suspend the, the, the broader discussion, but at least if they can give us an indication of are they ready, uh, is it a concern, because we are entering into a budget that will be delivered in a week, two weeks' time, and then we have to deal with that. So, so um, if there's just if there's just purely an indication to us whether they are ready or whether it's a problem that we can expect and how mm -hmm. we will deal with that. Thank you very much. Let's deal with these questions when we deal with um, uh, uh, policies and, uh, and and how benefits uh, would be structured uh, going forward. 
uh, it leaves me with uh, two questions, essentially. One, uh, the two questions to the minister, whether uh, the discussions with Treasury would impact on the current budget. Um, and, and yeah, so I can't remember the second one to the minister. The second one to the minister was um, about the, the her unhappiness that she has indicated yes. uh, and, and, and how regular they get feedback and, and how regular do they, you know, um, because one, one, one would expect that they inform the minister on a regular basis, not only when they report back to parliament. Thank you very much. So thank you so much. I think the minister has taken note of the, of those uh, questions. May, may I ask the department to come back and do and finish the presentation so that uh, we then deal with all the, uh, the remaining questions and 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 the answers uh, that you just, uh, just that, that 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 questions about the complaints as well. How they dealing with the complaints? Increasing number of complaints. You you'll get responded to. Can I invite the department to finish the presentations? Because they are interrelated, um, all of them. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, the department will continue. Uh, Mr. Siongo, can we continue with the presentation? Thank, thank you. Thank you, DG. Um, and thank you to 10 members. We. We got the brief, uh, Chair, that we must focus on uh, subsidized transport, pension, housing, and education. However, we felt that, uh, you know, just we added one or two slides, just just indicate, you know, the portfolio in terms of the policy development in the department, how we've fed over, over this financial year. So that at least uh, uh, the portfolio members can have a sense in terms of what is happening around stabilizing the department around issues of policy development. Um, uh, so I will quickly start, I think, the, just the one slide or two, in terms of the support policies to indicate that in this current financial year, um, as at, uh, at now we have, uh, the DG has approved about 23 support policies. We know that uh, there was a, an issue with AG around a department that doesn't have uh, policies. So we've reviewed and also doesn't have policies and also has old policies. We've, we've reviewed these policies and uh, 23 of those were processed in this particular financial year. They are in these areas, uh, HR, finance, SCM, ICT, research, facilities and risk. I think we, um, we've got a couple of, a few policies that are still uh, going back and forth in the department. We, we, we are really planning to, to have those concluded by the end of the financial year. Um, then when we talk then to issues of uh, service delivery policies as, the, as per the uh, brief that we got, I think we, we need to, to first chair and members to, to highlight some of the issues that we think are important so that we, 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 we raise these issues as they impact on, 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 these, on these processes. We are saying that the amendment of the bill will have an impact uh, going forward on some of these policies, because clearly there's developments around the amendment, which will see some of these policies have, 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 having to be changed. And we know that challenges that have been experienced by the department in dispersing the benefits in the past 
um, uh, have, have led to really challenges or, or problems around dispersing some of these benefits. Uh, and especially a requirement for us as a department to review some of the regulations so that we are, we are alive to the challenges that are faced by military veterans um, out there. And again, one of the issues that was raised is, is how then the department needs to align itself to, to government, you know, as a whole, so that we, we don't do, uh, we don't uh, go right, whereas government is going left. So especially um, alignment with the, with, the, with the sister departments that are, uh, have these mandates or that are providing these services to, ver to veterans. And again, I've, I've, I think this one is linked to, um, to, to my second bullet. Whereas we're saying some of the recent developments in the presidential task team uh, will require some of the policy positions to be reviewed. And of course, what's critical in this whole thing, uh, 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 chair and members, uh, is, is the fact that we need to uh, consult the relevant sister departments and provinces so that we, show, we ensure that then um, we, we, we concur on some of the things that we are proposing in these policies. So maybe just as a, as a background is to say that these are uh, the six policies that have been approved so far in the department uh, that talk to service delivery, that talk to the benefits, it's access to healthcare, dedicated counseling, compensation for military veterans, heritage, burial support, and skills development. Then when I talk then to the education benefits, we, we know that there is a chair, there is a, a policy that was approved in 2018, which really has been a, a, a matter of, of, of contention between the department and military veterans. Hence, then we decided to review that particular policy. There were, you know, deep consultations that happened or extensive consultations that happened in 2020 and 2021 because there were really problematic issues that military veterans were highlighting in this particular policy. So we have then uh, obtained the inputs from the from the uh, the likes of the former advisory council members um, uh, and appeals board uh, and also uh, Department of Basic Education NSFAS, uh, National Treasury, um, and also uh, which uh, uh, a stakeholder which is not mentioned here is also uh, the South African National Military Veterans Association. So we have obtained those inputs, I think over the period of, of two years or so. Um, and then we, we have then put together a, 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 a policy that we think uh, as far as the department is concerned, uh, should respond uh, to the issues, which we are then, we, we need to consult then with, with our principals, which is the executive authority. So that's a status of the education benefit. Pension benefit, um, we started a process, I think, uh, or we resuscitated a process that was done some time back in 2014. We resuscitated that process sometime last year. Um, and and uh, we, we have then, uh, with the help of uh, the experts, experts from GPA, uh, which is Government Pensions Agency, National Treasury, Department of Social Development, uh, and we also got guidance from or inputs from advisory council. And throughout this period, we have been getting guidance. We have been having uh, continuous or regular meetings with the executive authority to get guidance for these inputs. 
uh, to the extent that we, we produced a final draft, uh, which uh, we are then, I think the last uh, phase of that, we were requested then to provide the budget implications for this, which we are in the process of doing that. Uh, so I think that's, that's, that's where we are. Uh, here we've been guided to say, or we've been directed to say that we must implement this benefit uh, from the 1st of April. And we think that that date is still feasible, uh, looking at where we are, especially once we, we get in that, that report from the, from the experts' editorials. Uh, uh, housing benefit. Housing benefit also has been, um, has had a lot of challenges, similarly to education support, uh, where, uh, you know, we've really nev never had an, a policy here. The department has mostly been relying on the regulations which were gazetted in 2014 um, and also developed uh, standard operating procedures in terms of how this benefit must be dispersed. So we, based on those regulations, we know that they, there were limitations in the regulations um, and, and uh, military veterans were quite, uh, would, would raise those issues sharply. And so we have then and also, there were issues related to the to our arrangements with the Department of Human Settlements because they are the ones that are building houses. So I think some the, the arrangement that was there in the past, or that is still, you know, existing, is not really assisting uh, the department efficiently to 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 respond efficiently to building uh, military veterans with the pace that it, it requires to do. So, so here it's some of the issues uh, which I just reflected on that has also been raised uh, in the um, engagements in the presidential testing to say what 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 policy position must be taken with regards to the building of houses of for military veterans. However, with, with having said that, we have um, a, a draft policy which uh, I know that as in December. And and uh, and now early January we were, were were polishing. Also, that the route for that policy is that we will need to interact with our executive authority, so as to get further guidance around some of the issues that we we have uh, kind of put as proposals in that. Subsidized transport um, is a bit behind uh, chair and members. Um, it's a bit complicated. Um, in the sense that we, we tried to do some work with the Department of Transport in 2020 to the extent that we were proposed or we had agreed on a pilot project with the Department of Transport uh, in, in, in Houting, KZN, um, in Houting and KZN. Um, however, that never materialized, firstly, due to COVID. And secondly, um, I think we got guidance to say that if we are implementing a benefit for military veterans, uh, this issue of pilot pilot project is going to cause conflict among military veterans because how, which which military veterans are we going to select to go to this pilot project? So we were then requested to to kind of work out a mechanism that's going to see the the, the, the benefit fully implemented. So we. We have um, been uh, again, you know, consulting the Department of Transport. Here, the issue is that um, 
the response that we were getting from the Department of Transport was that they, they, at the national level, they focus on policy issues. The implementation of, um, of, uh, of public transport mostly happens at agencies or in the, in the provincial space. And to a, to a certain extent at municipal level, uh, and you'll find that even at those levels, they would have specific service providers that they appoint uh, to, to actually run. So we've had to now, we, we really need to um, uh, find a way in terms of how we're going to then, uh, you know, with all these stakeholders that I mentioned, uh, uh, you know, work out a way. I must indicate that, uh, Chair, that uh, um, the, the collective uh, or the, the lessons learned in the collective uh, approach that we did with the pension policy, I think may be useful even in this in this particular um, um, uh, you know uh, benefit, where we we invite uh, the expertise around uh, you know transport in the country to assist us to put together a kind of a, a, a system that's going to help us. And one of the issues maybe that was also raised here was the identification of military veterans um, to the extent that I think one of the issues that the DG raised earlier on, which we are working on with CETA, is, is the development of military veterans card. Uh, it's, going, it's going to help us um, in, in, in this particular benefit and also in the, uh, in the healthcare benefit, um, of course, in, in other things, because it's going to work more of as a, as a benefit card rather than just in, in identification card. So we are still going to work on this uh, in the next financial year. I think we will, are going to focus our energies in, on, on this particular benefit in the 2022-23 financial year. That, that's all, Chair. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you. Because uh, the presentation on the BRRR also touches on, on some of the issues. Uh, that you have presented. Um, may I invite you to deal with that as well so that we, we, we deal with the, the, the three reports uh, as one because they are interconnected. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Take upon the the presentation as as as, as requested, Chairperson of the B Triple R. Colleagues, can we have the presentation? On the screen. Yes, did you? I'm, 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 just, um, I've lost the document now. Just two seconds, DG is going to come through. Okay, thank you very much. I will follow up what uh, the chairperson has said that we also need to uh, look into the fact that some of the things uh, are interrelated. I will put emphasis on on those areas that uh, might have not been uh, raised in the in the former presentations. The 
the recommendations uh, say well, it's not on date, uh, the members can't see. Thanks, 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 colleague. The recommendations that have been uh, provided to us as a department are the committee resolved to monitor and regularly follow up with the DMV on the implementation of its audit action plans, the preventative controls and the implementation of consequence management in relation to irregular, fruitless and wasteful expenditure with regards to the leadership issue raised by the AG, the accounting officer and senior leadership at DMV should ensure that they exercise adequate oversight over performance reporting, compliance with applicable legislation and related internal controls. The accounting officer issued a directive that all issues raised in the audit action plan must be resolved by the 31st of December, 2021. That was after the AG gave the, the report and all affected managers were issued with letters informing them of such a directive, including, of course, uh, the matters and the findings that were made. The department is in the process of implementing consequence management for certain officials that have been identified of, of uh, 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 making the, the, those uh, issues that have been raised by the AG. The department continues to submit the performance report to the, to the relevant authorities. The department is required to review its audit action plan and present this to the committee to allow it to be monitored uh, on a quarterly uh, basis. The accounting officer issued, of course, letters to managers. We were trying to ensure that we follow up on the AG's report and ensure that we don't have repeated findings. The department welcomed an opportunity to present to the on the progress of the audit action plan to the committee when it's called uh, upon to do so. The recommendation C, the committee emphasized that the department should serve all qualifying military veterans and their, and their dependents with the necessary vigor and compassion, irrespective of who and where they are. The committee will take exception if veterans are not treated in this manner and in terms of the Military Veterans Act, number 18 of 2011. Indeed, the department uh, uh, continues to improve service delivery efforts, uh, with inclusive of our provincial coordination, uh, which have now become part of the management meeting so that activities at provinces are also monitored and the way that uh, the military veterans are treated is also comes to, to our level and we can be able to address those matters. In line with uh, uh, some of the comments, of course, that were raised, uh, in terms of uh, the Western Cape office, indeed, the team was dispatched to go and investigate uh, what happened uh, in that respect. And the department is still working on ensuring that uh, it supports the military veteran uh, family that uh, was, was encountered the challenge. And also we are dealing with the matter uh, in terms of the provincial coordinator that, that was involved. Also, in line with our performance plan, which talks to uh, issues of uh, the department being automated, we are looking at ensuring that the department will be able to draw much more uh, efficiencies in this respect. And we would be reducing the issues of complaints that will be coming uh, to, to, to the department, as we will be able now to ensure all programs and benefits 
are into a system that can be accessed by all military veterans and by all stakeholders that we are responsible for in the department. Uh, indeed, it is in line with our APP. The next recommendation that was raised is recommendation D. The committee stressed that it is unacceptable that officials in the department, I think it's, it's actually saying there's some of the things that have been raised, but I won't repeat this in this part. Uh, it's talking also to the issue of military veterans that are not timelessly and we are not, are not treated with compassion. The department should give feedback on these cases and should put measures in place to ensure that such conduct is being rooted out. Uh, the DMV should report to the committee on these measures on the quarterly basis. As I indicated in, in, in that previous uh, recommendation that the department has sent some people to go and, and look into the matter and the necessary support was immediately given to the uh, military veterans and the family that was affected and the official, uh, we are still working on the issues that uh, happened in, in, in that office. Uh, it's a provincial office in the Western Cape, but as we have indicated, we are looking at all our provincial offices as we have our managers in the provinces in our management meetings. Recommendation D, uh, the department is now positioned to receive queries and complaints through a call center. The department has established a call center which uh, such queries get dispatched to the relevant units. There we have received about 3,000 instances of communication from November 2021 to February 2022, varying uh, from emails, walk-ins, phone, SMS, and WhatsApp. The call center officials have been issued also with mobile phones in 2022 so that they are able to respond to the issues raised by military veterans. And we are hoping as we are working on a system, also this part of our uh, uh, area of complaints will also be linked into the system so that it can be monitored uh, in terms of the performance. Uh, in line, uh, of course, with our annual performance plan, which talks to digitalization and automation, the department has signed an agreement with CETA, I think, with, uh, uh, to develop the integrated database uh, system. Uh, a demonstration was done internally in the department on the 6th of December to ensure that all officials are aware, are aware of the process and are aware in terms of how is it going to be unfolding. And CETA has provided the department with a project manager and some support staff that is going to be assisting us while we are migrating our information into the system. Uh, the IDMS, uh, and as, as I indicated, it's got a couple of legs. I think we've spoken about the other leg and uh, it will ensure that the efficiencies in the department are really uh, addressed uh, going forward. Consideration of the issues referred to by the public project and the appeals board by clients, the department is investigations when such cases are reported, officials are usually dispatched to such cases and report uh, uh, developed for further action. And recommendation E, the committee stated that COVID-19 pandemic, uh, the reduced budget and the vacancies in senior positions might have contributed to the poor performance of the department. The department should, however, still endeavor to improve on its service delivery and benefits of military veterans and their dependents as they, many of their clients are in dire need of these services and benefits. Uh, indeed, the, the poor performance has been registered in the department uh, over a period of time. Uh, indeed, as it has been raised, um, the incapacity 
especially in the strategic areas has caused some of the challenges the department has appointed in the four critical areas for senior members in the area of human resources, uh, in a director there, in area of the labor relations, a deputy director and a director in the legal in order to strengthen our capacity. The department has further advertised two deputy director general's positions for corporate services and socioeconomic support. And uh, that was done on the 28th of January, 2022. And the closing date of this position is in February 24, 2022. The department is also in the process of advertising additional posts that have been vacant in its efforts to improve its efficiencies. Amongst the posts that we are working on, of course, is the post on communication, uh, which is an area that the department is having a lot of challenges in communicating uh, some of the uh, benefits and some of the uh, the uh, the needs that the military veterans uh, would like to hear about uh, on time. And uh, upon automation, of course, we are also anticipating that there will be improvement in service delivery in certain areas. Performance in education unit has also uh, began to improve, and we are currently still consist uh, consistently going out and having uh, roadshows to ensure that we understand the challenges uh, in this in this benefit. Temporal arrangements have been made with the Department of Defense to increase our capacity to assist us in ensuring that we address as we are still currently working manually and we are trying by all means to ensure that the capacity there is assisting in alleviating the challenges and the blockages within the education benefit. The, I've already indicated that the roadshows have also been part of our, our plans to unblock some of the challenges in the education support. There is also currently improvement in other performance of some uh, compensation benefit, and the officials are using the same format that is used for the education support program in terms of the roadshows to ensure that we are trying to reach some of the far-fetched areas and some of the far-fetched uh, members of our uh, department in ensuring that we are able to address and redress the challenges they have with healthcare services. Um, in terms of the majority of the members are now able to access this, our SAMS health services uh, with no hiccups as the officials have tried to migrate the information to SAMS to ensure that uh, their information appears when they need the services. Indeed, it is a challenge that we still have to work hard in ensuring that there is a, a provincial hospital uh, uh, strengthening by our officials and also at the district health level, we also need to ensure that we are strengthening uh, our, 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 our position in ensuring that our military veterans are also represented in terms of being uh, attended uh, through the, those institutions. Then the next one, can, can you move um, the slide? Recommendation, recommendation F. Recommendation F speaks to the reduction of annual performance targets uh, indeed, uh, as a result of the failure by the department to achieve targets should be addressed as a matter of agency, along with the above mentioned recommendations, such reductions are detrimental to military veterans and their dependents and create the impression that the department is content with such underperformance. Uh, indeed, a lot of discussion has come up in terms of ensuring that uh, this matter of the reduction of the targets 
it's it's not done going forward. Instead, we need to strengthen our capacity where we are lacking uh, in the area of service delivery. We have also tried to ensure that we we, we move some of the colleagues to provide support on the service delivery uh, units. The underperformance should be resolved, especially with appointment of the critical personnel in the vacant posts that that, that have been uh, uh, presented to, to the committee in the previous recommendation. Recommendation G speaks to uh, the committee recommended that the department should prioritize the delivery of housing and clear obstacles in this regard, especially at provincial and local government level, as the demand for this benefit is, is very high. Uh, I do want to admit to the committee and members and the minister and the deputy minister that the area of housing indeed is a challenge. The department, uh, in terms of the performance uh, uh, of the provinces, and uh, of course, it doesn't show uh, that we are moving in this area. The first challenge indeed is, of course, that the delivery of the service is not done within the DMV, is done via human settlement and also through the provincial uh, governments and provincial departments. And it has given a, a poor, poor results, first of all. And secondly, also, when there's challenges with military veterans, invasions, and uh, also the poor quality of houses that are being built, the DMV has also to intervene and form part of the communities as much as the, the rest of the uh, uh, implementation was, was, was happening at a provincial level. And uh, the DMV has not been represented uh, adequately in, in that space. And I think we have opened up this area for, for, for more options that can ensure that the housing delivery uh, comes with speed, but also with the necessary quality for our military veterans. We, it's one area that we felt that we will be taking up during, during the department uh, strike plan to look at other better options that can assist the department to deliver adequately in this area and also be represented in this area. But more so, uh, we are also looking at the situation where military veterans businesses also participate uh, in situations of, 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 of implementation in terms of the housing uh, plans. The challenges, uh, I won't uh, get into deep into them, as I've indicated, that they vary in, in terms of the areas, the challenges in Gauteng have mostly been invasions and incomplete structures in Nelpapias and displacement of military veterans in Ramas, at Ramas City. Challenges in KZ has seen invasions in the Alu Ridge project, and I think also Northwest and Free State has seen a few services sites available for the approved beneficiaries. Lastly, Western Cape had challenges of poor quality, especially in Berha. Uh, the department is working with provincial department of human settlement to resolve some of these challenges and the other challenges that we've observed is that military veterans are usually having these sites in excluded areas where there is no economic participation we are still engaging uh, with our stakeholders within the status quo to see how we can ensure that uh, there's also economic participations in in these areas uh, in the area like Bera, there was an area that was identified for economic development. And we, uh, as, a, as a task team that is working in the Western Cape to assist the military veterans there, we have put a lot of emphasis to say that economic development must also be part of a, a, a project that is attached to the housing development in, in, in these areas. Furthermore, there is a 
historical backlog in all provinces in the delivery of houses for military veterans, which has been caused by a variety of challenges, such uh, of course delays uh, with SEM processes in municipalities, abandonment of projects by contractors, illegal invasions of houses, unavailability of land, and of course serviceable, serviceable sites in municipalities. The DMV is looking at formalizing partnerships with all provinces through protocol agreements so that we can be able to closely monitor uh, what, we, what is going on within the status quo currently. Housing sub-work streams set up by the, the PTT is also looking at some of the feasibility of a comprehensive strategy with possible options on housing provision to military veterans by, by, by the state. Recommendation eight. Chairperson, the department uh, was encouraged to ensure that military veterans are routed to medical facilities near their homes to prevent them spending extra money on traveling. The committee also stressed that this challenge is exacerbated by the fact that the subsidized public transport benefit has not materialized and lamented that it is still in the po policy phase. I, I think also uh, this. It's also going to be part of the traveling policy that we're currently addressing as a department. The department notes the concern and it will treat the matter with extreme agency due to its negative impact on the lives of the military veterans. Indeed, um, health uh, is one of the benefits that are uh, uh, exclusive that need a lot of attention in terms of being decentralized and also specific attention needs to be uh, also addressed in terms of specialized needs, uh, like where, where the military veterans have to get certain uh, needs like dialysis and other critical services that are required by our ailing community of military veterans. And indeed, work is uh, being done to ensure that uh, the military veterans are properly positioned in the provincial hospitals. And our officials uh, are also uh, going out to ensure while we are busy with protocols, that uh, the provincial and the district uh, health centers are also uh, made aware of, of, of the situation of our military veterans. At a higher level, of course, the PTT through the health work stream, uh, at a DG level, we, 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 we are also going to be engaging to ensure that we have a, a direct uh, link with the pro national, with the provincial uh, institutions as well. The department through the presidential task team is currently processing and engaging. Uh, th those are the protocols that we're trying to do as a department to ensure that we've got a comprehensive uh, health plan for, for our military veterans. The task team is also look at various options like medical aid similar to the regular force medical continuation fund offered by the Department of Defense for their retired members. Recommendation I, the committee recommends that the department should explore avenues to assist military veterans staying in asbestos roof houses and give the committee feedback at its quarterly meetings on this issue. Upon us receiving a, a message of, of, of the issue of the asbestos, we did dispatch uh, some of our officials to go and investigate the area that was reported was around the Western Cape Pal, but it was also noted that it's not the only area that has been indicted by, by, by houses that have been done with asbestos. The department is still investigating uh, this matter. Uh, it has not concluded uh, on, on the strategy 
on how it's going to be addressed. However, the issue of upgrading houses of military veterans who have previously received RDP houses, which had asbestos roofs uh, to, to the same level of the current specification uh, of the standard that has been highlighted, is a matter that is, is, is currently being uh, uh, investigated. Thank you, uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, that was my my last uh, uh, input on this matter. Thank you very much, Dichi. Uh, well presented, uh, colleagues. We, we now can then deal with um, all three. I know we've covered uh, a huge ground on the first one. Um, I, I thought maybe uh, some questions. Uh, might be answered by the subsequent uh, presentations, uh, meaning these two, uh, to avoid us, um, you know, preempting or repeating uh, the discussion. Right, uh, colleagues. Uh, now the matter is on the table. And uh, are there any questions, Mr. Mare? I see your hand. Thank you, Chairperson. Yes, some of the issues was addressed, uh, was, were addressed, so, so thank you very much for that. Um, the first question, the first uh, matter that came to mind is if and when we, you know, get uh, informed or receive complaints in these regards, what are we to do? What is the recommendation that we must do with those complaints? And I think somewhere we must have an have an, have an uh, address that we can, uh, you know, send that complaints to, uh, especially if it is if it is worthy complaints or justifiable complaints or concerns. Um, then, secondly, uh, I want to just also make sure for myself, both in terms of the health and the and the uh, housing, who, who are responsible? Is it the the national department of of housing? And human settlements, that is the, the primary agent, uh, or is it the provincial departments? Because we know that in, in, in provinces there are uh, projects that is driven by the national department, then some is driven by the, by the provincial department, and then obviously the local authorities act on behalf of, of the provincial department where they act as agents. So I just want to know uh, in that regard as well, and then in terms of military hospitals, um, I, I want to know in terms of military hospitals and medical treatment, um, uh, some of the, that's basically based on some of the complaints that I've received, um, is military veterans obliged to first go to a military doctor to get referred by their doctor to a provincial health facility or and or a private uh, doctor or can they approach uh, private doctors and or provincial doctors and hospitals on their own. Uh, yes, Chippers and that uh, is, is just uh, three additional ones to to the ones that I've already um, submitted um, and obviously you know the the pension one will then follow follow also suit after that. Thank you very much. Okay. No, thanks, uh, Mr. Murray. Uh, Mr. Mafanya. Uh, thank you very much, uh, 
colleagues, and thanks for the presentation. Um, I, I would like to go back to the keynote address by the minister when she says she own up to the report with its deficiencies. And the reality is that it, it tells us that she picked up that there are things that are not on par with what is expected of the, of the issue of... Um, we, we were actually... We fall behind of certain things, in particular the military veterans amendment bill. So we also need to address that so that we are able to address the remainder of these questions that we have, even including the presentations that are really, in a way, are quite disappointing. Now, on the issue of budget deduction, we are fully aware that education, health, and skills development are suffer as a consequence of that. And the reality of the matter on the ground is that we are disappointed. We have disappointed our people since 2011 to date, complaining about things that we are being confronted with today. Harassing act of the military uh, veterans to even go to an extent of kidnapping the minister, so that all the ills of their department is, is addressed adequately. And we have been engaging with things year in, year out. And I also want to concur with uh, our, 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 our colleague that day. There are no time frames for some of these things that, have been, that we have been told about. So the reality is that there's a need for the department to so that we, have, we are able to be reinforced and that are going to be done on a particular term. That's, I would like to come to that. That's all that I want to say. Thanks. No questions for the for the presentation because I, I I don't find it very I don't find new things in it anyway. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Malia Shalembe, honourable member. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Hey, I'm struggling uh, with the network. I might get off uh, while I'm talking. Chairperson. Uh, um, well, once one, I mean, say, uh, I appreciate, I mean, the recommendation uh, being attended uh, by the DMV. But, Chairperson, you know, that's good. But if you look, I mean, uh, for the past 10 years, having that uh, Military Veterans Act in place, we are still talking about uh, not, I mean, uh, I mean, um, able to ensure that, I mean, what is said there in the act is uh, done by the department, a lot. So now it's 10 years uh, ago. Jefferson, I just want to check with uh, the director. I saw an article, I think it was on the News 24 something, where, I mean, uh, it was talking about the employment opportunities uh, being uh, made available uh, at Prasa that, I mean, uh, they were, I mean, doing sort of, I mean, um, a training, but uh, looking to that, I mean, articles was saying that those, I mean, opportunities were meant for the, those, I mean, who were serving as uh, non-statutory forces uh, at that time. Whereas, I mean, uh, the Military Veterans Act, I don't see any clause that says when there are opportunities, uh, the department must apply a selective uh, system 
Just want to know from the director with these recommendations which are being, I mean, uh, attended to, whether we may expect again, I mean, uh, some of the military veterans being sidelined because of not uh, participating in the then, I mean, non-statutory forces. I mean, uh, in, because if you look, I mean, those who are serving, I mean, in the statutory forces at the time, it seems they are being, I mean, uh, put aside and those who are serving in the non-statutory forces are being given a priority. Is there any clause, I mean, in the act that provides for the department to be selective when uh, jobs are available or trainings are available? I've noticed that, I mean, in an article, but it seems the director of the department was involved or is involved in that program with uh, the PRASA. I will appreciate that, Chairperson, uh, but I'm worried about the 10 years uh, down the line, nothing is happening. What we are seeing now is the change from the act going for a selective uh, um, approach. Thank you, Chairperson. Okay. Colleagues, uh, we are done. I'm happy you did not touch on the, <clears throat> spend time on the uh, audit action plans uh, because <clears throat> we have set aside a day to deal with uh, the audit action plans. It's on the 23rd of February. Uh, colleagues, now I think we have exhausted the questions. Um, now I uh, invite uh, the HOD to the Yes, uh, Tabo. Oh, no, no, it's fine. If you are still taking it back to, to, to DG, my, my question uh, uh, would, but let me raise it. Maybe when the DM and uh, the minister comes in, they will uh, uh, attend to it. I, I'm a bit worried uh, with uh, some of the, the responses that we got from, from the department around uh, the challenges that uh, they are faced on uh, uh, with their inter uh, human resource in terms of uh, uh, filling vacancies uh, uh, on time. Uh, I, I find it reactionary that it happens uh, when the unemployment rate is so high uh, and we seek to create employment and we allow uh, technocrats to to be reactionary in that fashion. I would like the minister or the deputy minister to comment on that uh, particular uh, uh, act from the department. Thank you very much. Chairperson. Um, Chairperson. SDM. I, I am very sorry to interrupt okay. uh, the proceedings. Could, uh, Honorable Member Mutli, just repeat uh, the point he was making for me just now. Honorable Mutli, if you could just repeat that point. Uh, please repeat. Thank you. All right. No, it's fine. I was saying uh, I will appreciate if uh, you, the DM or the minister, could comment uh, on, on what I find to be reactionary from the uh, human resource of the department out of the comment that was made here that uh, uh, there's an intention to fill vacancies uh, and the HR is not coming on board. And that is happening whilst the unemployment rate is very high uh, as per the report released by uh, 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 Stats SA. And uh, in our manifesto, we, we promised people that we are going to create uh, jobs. 
Okay. So is the delay in filling uh, vacancies and also which would address uh, which would address unemployment and uh, and performance in the department? I'm just adding the the the, the issue of performance um, to what Mr. Mutlas just said indicated. All right, colleagues. Uh, now I request the <clears throat> the D, the DG to fill the questions once he has done, then the, min, the deputy minister, the minister will then close uh, the discussion. Thank you, Chairperson, and thank you to the members uh, on the questions. Around the health, I do have my colleague at health, Ms. Rolo, who's going to take the committee through the issues that were, were raised. Colin Rolo. Thank you, uh, Chair. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Minister and Deputy Minister and the House and our colleagues. The question that I'm going to be responding to is the question from Honorable Mare that relates to whether we do allow uh, military veterans to attend public hospitals and private hospitals, respectively, without a referral. Uh, in terms of the public hospitals, military veterans can attend the, the public hospitals without a referral on the basis of the fact that the Department of Health is obliged to treat any uh, a South African uh, uh, member, irrespective of whether they do have military, uh, medical aid or not. So in, in that regard, military veterans can access the, the public health care facilities. And then in terms of the private health care facilities, no, military veterans have to have a referral uh, from the South African military healthcare services for them to be able to access the private healthcare facilities purely because the department does not have a, a network of service providers in either a hospitals a facilities or network of doctors. The custodian of our healthcare a, a benefit or healthcare access is the South African military healthcare services. Therefore, they do have a preferred provider networks or hospitals or, or, or doctors that they do have contracts with. And then we pay the military, the same healthcare, healthcare services to be able to reinvest those particular hospitals or doctors that military veterans uh, have attended to. I must, however, add that in the issue of our public healthcare facilities, Military veterans do attend the, uh, the public health care facilities, but from time to time, due to uh, the pressure and the, the, the pressure that we have in our public uh, health care facilities uh, of, of, of availability of treatment material and beds, we find from time to time military veterans requesting that we transfer them to either the SAMS health care facilities or through SEMS, transfer them to the nearest available private uh, uh, healthcare facility, which is something that we are doing. The only weakness that we are having in terms of uh, 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 the access to healthcare is the popularization of all the initiatives that we have uh, in terms of access to healthcare to military veterans, which is something that uh, the DG has alluded to that we are working on in terms of making sure that our communications assist us uh, with the pamphlets that we have developed to let military veterans know that if this situation occurs, this is who you need to contact, 
if you are in an accident, this is the contact number, how we refer them and all that, uh, that information. That is the weakness that we are having and that we have identified and we are working on to make sure that military veterans are not found wanting when they, they try to reach healthcare services. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Ms. Moraro. I will take upon Ms. Sierra to talk to the issue of the amendment bill. Thank you, Tichi. Um, thanks, Chair um, members, um, the Minister and TM. We, <clears throat> there is a process, uh, it's a government process that we have undertaken uh, to actually get the, the bill uh, uh, development or do I say approval in place? Um, a part of that, we, we've had an engagement with our executive authority around this uh, in December of uh, 2021. And now uh, our next step then was to also get approval from once we have <coughs> incorporated the inputs that were provided at that particular time. Uh, now the next step for us is to get the approval to as highlighted in the program or in the in the plan of action to get the approval from the ministry then to table um, you know the the amendments to the government clusters for for their inputs i think this is quite a critical step because it involves a number of government departments that we we really need a, a buy in on a, in some of these issues and then uh, then once then we are done with that uh, we are going to then uh, you know, seek approval, uh, uh, you know, from um, from cabinet then to, to publish uh, the, the amendment for public uh, for public comments, um, and of which then then the process then of engaging parliament is going to kick in. I must indicate that um, initially we had a plan because of the issue of capacity and. and, and technical understanding of some of these processes. Um, I think it became quite clear when the new director legal came on board that um, we, because we had anticipated that we, we, we would want to engage, uh, uh, would finish these processes by July of this, of this year, uh, calendar year. But clearly by looking at what needs to be done in terms of engagement uh, in terms of all these other you know uh, things we might even push it back uh, even further back in, in the in the in, 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 in the year so i think that's the plan with regards to to to, to what we, we intend doing uh, thank you Tiji. thank you um, mr Sierra. um the, the the questions was raised in relation to the poor performance in the filling of vacancies uh, in the department and uh, the, the, the lack of attention that is given in, in that regard. Uh, I would love to, to, to say that uh, indeed we have had a challenge uh, in this section. Uh, amongst other things that was a challenge was also the capacitation of this section, which is a crucial section to ensure that the department delivers adequately. And we have put our attention in, in HR uh, to such an extent that one of the appointments is a, an appointment of the Deputy Director, Human Resources, Planning and Systems, which takes into consideration the matters that the member has raised. 
Uh, it is the person that is crucial in the planning, uh, in matching the organogram, in ensuring that all the positions that need to be filled must be filled. And it is indeed has been a challenge in our department to fill in the positions. And we are looking at the second layer of the vacancies in the department and the HR Deputy Director, Human Resources Planning and System is assisting us now to ensure that we are clearly able to identify the gaps in different sections. And we are looking at improving in this area also it's important to note that uh, even in the reporting will be improving because there's areas that we are also weak in the issues of balancing the gender, balancing the dis uh, uh, colleagues that are physically challenged. And this is the work of the deputy director that has just joined us that will assist us in ensuring that we are fully capacitating the department. And it is a, a serious matter because it needs to balance in terms of the performance of the department and also the weaknesses in certain crucial areas where positions should be filled, and, and especially in the area around benefits and, of course, in, in other areas. We, we, we would like to say thank you to, to the chairperson, the minister, and the deputy minister, and the members, and, and some of the matters we are going to be taking them back and ensuring that uh, we drive the, the implementation thereof. Thank you, Chairperson, for the opportunity. Thank you very much, Edichi. I think you have covered all the issues. Chairperson, there's just one point uh, that was not dealt with, and that is when we encounter such you know, complaints, how do we deal with that to make sure that it gets to the department and gets addressed? So if that, we can be assisted in that regard, maybe a central point of, of where we can send that to and how we need to do that, it'll be much appreciated. It would make it easier for every one of us. Okay. Right, DJ. Thank, thank you, Chairperson. We, we, we have, of course, developed the, the call center, but I think in terms of communicating and sending out the flyer with the details of the people and how the department gets reached for that area of complex will ensure that we, we, we make the, the members and the community aware. Okay, all right. Um, Zinke, you, there was a question earlier on, I see you have posted it on the uh, chat uh, group, so on the chat uh, system. Uh, you want to say something on it on that one before I move off? Um, thank you, Chaperson. Um, there was a, a question from member Marius around the 67% and other percentages that do not necessarily tally to the 100%. And um, I would just want to wish to confirm that uh, it is indeed our methodology that we have uh, we are applying when we're doing our presentations to say um, uh, the expenditure divided by the amount budgeted for that specific economic classification uh, multiply by 100, then it will give you those percentages that do not necessarily tally up to 100%. And that methodology is applied throughout um, our slides, if you notice. I just want to explain okay. that, Chairperson. Thank you. No, no, it's fine. It, it, it's, I think it makes sense now. That is That 86 million rand uh, is against the budget for compensation um, 
which is 129 million rand. All right, no, th thank you so much. Uh, now it makes sense. Colleagues, we, we, I think we have concluded uh, questions. Um, Dichi, we are not happy with your with the the forty eight percent spent uh, in in the department because it means that you must spend sixty or fifty two percent of their budget in the last quarter, and uh, you need a miracle to spend fifty two percent in the last quarter when you had not done, you have not been able to achieve it in two quarters. So uh, in fact, in three quarters. So in three quarters, 48%, and you are expected now in the last quarter to spend 52%. is unachievable, is unachievable. And this money that is going to be surrendered back to treasury. We are concerned about that. What makes us concerned is that um, we surrender money back to treasury. And um, <clears throat> when the need is out there for all of us to see. I've mentioned this before, that <clears throat> is, it, this is a huge disservice to people who are waiting uh, to be assisted by this department. We're talking about departments, I mean, develop military veterans, some of them are living in squalor conditions. And um, it's 30 years now, approaching 30 years, sorry, approaching 30 years, uh, their life has not changed. In actual fact, has turned to worse. They were better when they were out outside uh, the country. Uh, better off, and uh, so it's 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 a matter that really you you need to move on it with speed, address all the policies, and then start delivering on those policies. That's a promise we made to the military veterans that they made a sacrifice, a huge sacrifice. They made their own contribution, and that the state will look after. Uh, would, would, would look after after them. So it's 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 an indictment on 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 all of us that we are sending the money back. And the money we are sending back is money that Treasury has been cutting because we've been failing to spend. Is this is the third, if not a fourth year, where Treasury has cut the budget and say, as we cut it, we know you are not going to spend it. So you, 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 I think we need to address that point. And then the, the last point um, is, is that we must not see fiscal dumping because fiscal dumping doesn't help to address the issues. If anything, it, um, you know, you, you spend money, uh, without getting anything in return. So <clears throat> we better hand it back to Treasury for those departments that will be able to put it in good use if you can spend it. Uh, we are actually cautioning you against just dumping money for the sake of dumping it, simply because you, if you don't spend it, you will be accused. So that's that's the thing. But I understand it and at the same time that um, you face 
treasury who, who, are going to, who is going to say, you fail to spend the budget. It means that you have money you don't need and therefore uh, another cut. So, so those are the two things. It's an assurance from you that there will be no fiscal dumping. I'm not going to ask you to assure us that we'll spend every single, single cent of it because I would be asking you to, uh, uh, you know, make a, an impossible, um, you know, uh, commitment. All right, uh, I leave you. Uh, but with with that, and then move to the DM. DM will uh, just say a few things, uh, everything he needs to, to say, including questions that were directed to him, and then ask the minister uh, to then close the discussion. Uh, DM. Chairperson, thank you very much. Uh, uh, to yourself and honorable members of the committee uh, for this engagement. Um, I want to prioritize a few areas that were touched upon in the, the course of uh, exchanges we've had this morning. Uh, those that I think uh, are important uh, to make visible to committee members. Uh, the first, of course, is to say that uh, the point that was made by the minister at the beginning and uh, that we are going to have to have uh, an engagement with Treasury on the resources of the department uh, uh, is unavoidable. We need to do to do so uh, because, uh, as uh, members would uh, appreciate, there are things that are pressing that we need to deal with that um, budget-wise we may not be able to. And uh, primarily the recommendations of the presidential task team around the pay, paying out of a military pension to these military veterans. Uh, it's important that uh, we get that uh, uh, sorted out and uh, engagement with Treasury will be aimed at facilitating that. Um, the concern raised about uh, the regularity with which the ministry engages the department, uh, I can, without fear of any contradiction, assure members of the portfolio committee that the ministry is actually over uh, doing the oversight work over this department. Um, there is actually at times 
comments to the effect that uh, we are wanting to micromanage the department, uh, which is, of course, a negative. Uh, but to give the honorable members a sense of uh, our oversight work as the ministry over the department is that uh, on a monthly basis, it is scheduled that uh, we have as a ministry a meeting with the management of the department. And on a fortnightly basis, have a meeting with the DG of the department, which has not worked out because uh, there has been a need on a continuous basis to meet the DG almost on a weekly basis, uh, at times even twice a week to engage the DG because of things that are quite pressing uh, to be uh, addressed within the department. Um, it has actually proved a, a bit uh, a counterproductive and sterile to engage the management of the department uh, as regularly as agreed because uh, a pattern was emerging where in our meetings with management, uh, there would be clear indication that much progress, there isn't much progress that the department has been able to uh, do on what was discussed before. And we end up having very sterile discussions. Uh, and it was felt that we should back off a bit and give the department the space to uh, to execute, to get things done and get things moving. So with respect to that uh, point about our oversight as the ministry, uh, the members can be assured that uh, our oversight is indeed uh, very tight. The, there is a point about uh, progress that the department has registered uh, in the period, uh, in the reporting period we are discussing. Uh, <clears throat> it is important for the portfolio committee to note what the DG has said around the automation of the department. Uh, it is a, it's a big achievement uh, and we will, as he said, as she said, uh, they, they have launched that uh, intervention internally in the department in December. Uh, we plan to go and uh, have uh, uh, on-site uh, understanding of what has the department automated and to see how it functions uh, and how much improvement has it brought about in the department. Uh, there is uh, of course, a point which uh, we must address, which is that uh, the training of the department's employees in getting the introduced technologies to function well, that training has to be done. Otherwise, this uh, integrated uh, data management system will be uh, underutilized, if I may put it that way. 
while still on the point about the this breakthrough the department has made, uh, I want to say that in the presentation of the, the department, there is one uh, um, problem area which we have highlighted to the department that we need to separate the training in ICTs of military veterans, which has been reported here as part of the training initiatives that the DMV has embarked upon for military veterans. We've got to separate it from the training of DMV employees in the ICT that the department has introduced there. For the simple reason that any training that military veterans are accorded by the DMV must and can only be successful if it is on a needs basis. If the, the need, the case for it has been made convincingly by the department to say we need to train military veterans in ICTs because there is a demand for it or because it is going to enable them to do the following one, two, three, which will assist the department in putting them where we want them to be. If training is not on the basis of any research of the need, then much as it may be a good intention, it may not necessarily achieve the requisite objective. I mean, the, 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 the anticipated uh, objectives. This ICT training that is talked about by the department, we've made it the point that uh, it has to be done through many centers and training centers and institutions that are providing, you know, IT training. They are there. And it is only for the department to decide on which it accredits for that purpose. It's not something that requires to be done through CETA. That CETA must assist in procuring service providers to go and do this training. It is just the way we provide access to education. It's education and training. The institutions are there and the department can easily put military veterans into those uh, uh, programs with those institutions. And of course, it is important that the profile of the military veterans that we are talking about has always to be at the back of our minds when we identify things that we want to do for them. Uh, and maybe I should just spend one minute on this matter to, I mean, with honorable members and explain this, that uh, the military veterans that we are talking about are different categories. They are not just one community with the same you know, background and the same needs. And I'm raising this in relation to ICT uh, training, that uh, there are military veterans 
that belong to age cohorts that are quite advanced that uh, you would not be including them in this kind of initiatives. But there are military veterans who now the department has unintendedly uh, by law compelled to look after them. For instance, members, former members of the MSDS program who were only given two years contracts by the Defense Force and who since their training left. They are young people. If you're talking about ICT training, yes, that will benefit that kind of uh, community of military veterans. But it is not all military veterans who are fit for the kind of uh, skilling that we are talking about. And the same thing goes with the road maintenance. There are military veterans who, to say, they would be able to use the machinery that we are being told needs to be used for the uh, portholes programs. They will not be, just simply because of their ages, they will not be able to use that machinery. So it is important that the military veterans department must always, when they make interventions, take this matter into account. And we have emphasized the point, uh, but uh, uh, there is still a lot of room for improvement uh, to making sure that our training interventions do not end up being, you know, huge, uh, you know, failures. The other point that I thought I should touch on is with respect to a policy matter that uh, may not be always visible when we deal with these military veterans. And uh, the reason why it's not visible, it is because of our communications capacity. The department does not have, not a single person as we speak now, employed, responsible for communications, and that is part of our weaknesses. We are addressing that the posts have been advertised. However, in the interim, there has been no sufficient messaging to military veterans to say the benefits that military veterans are receiving are not automatically benefits that military veterans are entitled to simply because they have been certified as bona, bona fide military veterans on the database. And the reason for that lies in the way the act defined a military veteran, such that military veterans includes those who were in military organizations and who during their service were not gainfully employed and who are largely destitute today. And those who were in military organizations who uh, or statutory organizations, and therefore they were civil servants, though of course in the in the military sector, but they were remunerated, were gainfully employed, and expected to have remained relatively self-sufficient the way civil servants are looked after by the employment policies of government, even previous uh, Bantustan governments and so on. So there is, there is a need 
for us when we talk about who needs what and who is entitled to what. To remember that the the veter the the act says benefits would be on a means. It is for those reasons that the act says said benefits would be on a means test basis. Because if we do not do that, then we'll have a situation where there will be military veterans who are more and not even more, but appropriately deserving, being back in the queue, and there will be military veterans who are relatively well off. I'm talking about their circumstances, not that they are materially well off, but their circumstances are better off, who will be right up in the queue. Good example is the delivery of housing. We talk about the delivery of housing that is poor, but a question that we never ask ourselves is who is receiving these houses, these units that have been released by DMV? Is it military veterans who were in the non-statutory forces who were gainfully employed, who were not gainfully employed, or they include these recipients, military veterans who were employed by SADAF, who were employed by the TBDC state armies? And if it, that is the case, how does government justify that a civil servant who was in the military in SADAF or who was in the military in the TBDC state? He's been given a house when a police service person or a teacher or a nurse is not given that police, I mean, that free house. These are the issues which the department's communication needs to assist to get the public to understand, but even the community of military veterans themselves. Another point is this, that is being said about discriminatory service. There should never be any discrimination among military veterans. For as long as military veterans themselves know what the policy accords them. That's the first point. But the second point, there should be no discrimination if the department also understands what is it that it owes these military veterans in relation, for instance, to the jobs at Prasa, the way we would understand that matter in the ministry is that uh, it is economic rehabilitation of military veterans who do not have the ordinary skills that uh, they should be falling back on in life. And therefore, if it is an economic opportunity, it cannot discriminate a non-statutory forces from a statutory forces. Because those who were even in the statutory forces themselves, they do not have other skills to fall back on in life to continue on. I mean, to continue with their, with their families. So opportunities for incomes also are important for them. So they, it would be wrong for any member or employee of the Department of Military Veterans who believes he's executing the mandate of the department properly if there was discrimination as uh, Honorable Member Shilembe has been suggesting. Uh, 
the last point I must touch on is a very crucial point. It's to do with the the providing of the social relief of distress to military veterans in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. We have not been able to do what the presidential task team had asked us to do, which is that uh, we must uh, uh, release as much as we can of the budget that was put aside uh, as a top-up budget by the department for this military veteran. The processing of uh, recipients has been very sluggish, has been very slow because a bottleneck got created through the department's procedure of getting the evaluation of recipients to be done by social workers. And the department does not have any social does not have social workers in any significant numbers to cover the whole country to assess all of these military veterans who must get this social relief of distress from the department. And as a result, there are still many who should have received the social relief of distress who have not received it. And this is an administrative matter which the department has to find a solution to. We can't rely on two or three social workers to process such a huge community for a benefit that is so urgent and so uh, 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 crucial for military veterans. There are other issues which uh, honorable members have raised, honorable Mare has raised, uh, but in the interest of time, Allow me to stop there. Um, matters around the delivery of health services. I agree what we have done is not sufficient, not at all. For as long as the department has still not put in place a service level agreement with the Department of Health, and we do not have an instrument of identification of military veterans when they approach or when they go to Department of Health facility to be treated in a way that is collaborative with SAMS. And uh, here I mean the sick base and the military hospitals of the Defense Force. For as long as there is no MOU between the two departments and procedures, standard operating procedures in place to deal with this delivery of health, uh, there will always be those. Uh, uh, bitter complaints for those who are in far-flung uh, areas of the country. Uh, let me uh, pause the uh, chairperson uh, and uh, and honourable members. Okay, uh, thank you very much, uh, DM. Uh, you've made um, valuable uh, valuable contribution. I hope uh, the department will um, uh, take it to heart because uh, it will assist in improving uh, the performance and, and the image of the department. All right, uh, Minister, you are the last uh, person uh, on this matter. Thank you, Chairperson, I'll be short. Um, when I came in in August, we agreed after a discussion with the Deputy Minister that I would delegate 
to him the responsibility, yeah, DMV. That, however, does not mean that this particular department leaves me out of the loop because ultimately I am responsible. And that is a problem that we have here. So to respond to you, Ndade Mare, I do expect that I will have those sessions where we look at the annual report of the department with the deputy minister and the DG and all the heads who are relevant to the discussions there to the, whether we are looking, whether we are reprioritizing, I do need that. I do ex expect that every year in October, I will be favored by the head of this department with the priorities of the department in the following financial year that I have not received. I would expect that I would have a sit down discussion with both the deputy minister and the head of this department on any matter that is legal, especially which drags me to court and I do not know and I've not been apprised. So I would also expect that I will get the monthly financial statements of this department without fail, irrespective of whether the DM who is delegated there receives them or not. Now, there is also, as, as and, and perhaps I'm a newcomer, and newcomers sometimes take offense when they shouldn't take offense. There is a level of being very ad hocish with reports. Firstly, we all know that uh, housing, the National Department is responsible for housing. Make no mistake, the provinces play a role. It is a limited role um, because they focus on the province, but they get the bulk of the finances from the national. Your local government has actually one particular, two particular roles to play in the provision of housing. One, it is to identify the land available for housing. Two, it is to come with a register of beneficiaries. And then it is to sign off on the happy letters. So your responsibility as this department on the housing provision for veterans will have to be something that you deliberately cause to happen with a with a, an agreement, push it to a memorandum of understanding between the two ministries. Because the ad hocism that I am interpreting is when UDG thinks that they can go to treasury, they can go to other DGs of other departments and, and that is where the agreement Ah, when it hits the Fed, it will not be these DGs who have to respond to Parliament over finances spent or not spent. It is the executive. And therefore, I am worried about where you actually hear a chief director engaging with Treasury and we know nothing. Because in fact, 
those agreements mean nothing because ultimately when the budgets of departments are discussed, that cabinet committee that deals with the, 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 the budgets of departments engages with the minister. We cannot be having, this is how we have always done. I want to say that DM and DG, you would have to humor me because for me, anything that is done in an ad hoc sense is, is an issue. You will remember that um, there was a time when I said, I do not really know what is happening. My first meeting with you, Chair, as a committee, I said, I don't know what's happening in the department. And that is because other than the meeting when on the week I arrived, I have not had a meeting with the DG to get appraised, to ask questions, to deal with issues that are related to that department. I understand the level of satisfaction that the GM has. I do not have that satisfaction. And it worries the hell out of me because when I, we are going to deal with a budget here, I would have to rely on hearsay because I do not have first-hand knowledge. So that is an area we need to fix. But what really worries me most is not even these administrative teething problems. It is when you've got programs which are introduced, which have serious budget uh, uh, implications, which have not been cleared with us. When you have uh, environments, when you have uh, um, deviations which have not been cleared with us. So how do we come to the committee and respond when we are asked about these things? I am worried about, and I told Utiti, when an advert that looks as a CFO goes out, and I am not sure, as the minister responsible, at which level this particular individual we are hunting for is being pitched. And I'm saying this out of my experience as chairperson of the NCOP and speaker in the NA because the tendency is to pitch these responsibilities very low. You've got people who have diplomas, you don't, you, who are pitched at that level because I don't know why, when they are going to be dealing with billions and hundreds of millions in departments. So I'm saying it is important for us to then go back there. I want to have a retreat because I want to see whether, in fact, as we introduce some of these projects, we have actually looked at what this particular department initially was set up to do. Now, and I want to argue that had this department not been fast asleep in those years, this thing where you have people who came in with the MSDS program, who now suddenly, because I don't know what happened there, probably the department did not see it fit to efficiently defend and explain to the courts 
what that program was all about. Probably the people who were heading the department did not even understand how the program came about. Now you've got an 18-year-old, 16, 17-year-old post-matriculant who is recruited to get into, who gets two years to qualify to be a member of the permanent Sander, and who does not qualify, who then goes out and says, I demand the same benefits as a person who was fully trained and who was commissioned. So I'm saying this ad hoc gives me nightmares because um, I come in, I don't even worry to understand what a veteran and the responsibility of the department is. I listen to what we are saying. And sometimes I think it is not recruiting professionals for professionals. It is also in those interviews, getting worried about whether people really understand the mandate, the thrust, that, and the responsibility of the state towards veterans. Udeji will still explain to me, maybe the, this plan of road making, who is it pitched for? Who amongst the real military veterans, whether they are SADAF, TBVC, whether they are MK or APLA, who is still at the age that is going to enable them to be using these road-making machines. And those are the things that when you clear projects, when you discuss the budget implications, you can discuss and say, but this one is a good idea, this one is not a good idea. You don't just see a complaint from people saying, hey, why are you buying this equipment and me sitting on the phone and saying, DG, Kanene, is it true you have bought such equipment? Where is it? Who is going to use it? Because there has not been information that flows. So in that MRA, yes, as frequently as three months and monthly, I would like to have a sit down. I am not going to be an administrator, but I need to understand which way this department is going, whether it is really serving the purpose, because otherwise, we are going to be having a problem. When the department comes to the portfolio committee and says, um, we need to come out with the public, South Africa doesn't even have a defined public transport system. When you go and do your benchmarking in Zimbabwe and in Namibia, I have to ask a question. If you would said to me you were benchmarking in France and in the UK because their public transport system is well developed, I would understand. And then I would have a rebuttal that says, but really, uh, would, would their system fit in with us here? But at least it would have made sense that you have at least gone to see what is happening at established countries that have a really entrenched public uh, uh, transport system. So um, I, I pick up things where sometimes I think we've got great ideas um, and these ideas sometimes are not so practical. We've, we've got ambitions to make sure that this happens. And when we want to create jobs, who are we creating the jobs for? 
One, we must make sure that that, uh, uh, that insurance comes, goes into those, especially the non-states, because those are the people who did not gainfully work in the years they were fighting for on whichever side, who did not amass any uh, a pension benefit. And therefore, you look at that particular category because those who joined SADAP already, uh, and I want to make an example, Dadema uh, Petla, you would remember we had a general who retired, former general from the Nenstads, who got away with as little as 50,000 as pension. When you had a, somebody who was lower, who far lower in rent, who went away with millions simply because of this particular one had been contributing in the years Zabona into the pension fund. And these ones who came from the nurses did not have anything. And therefore the department was put in place to try and deal with these issues, not to discriminate, but to deal with real issues that affect these people. Now, if a member of the non-states has a house, is the department duty bound to provide a house via veterans simply because everybody else is getting a house? Those are the questions that we should start to interrogate so that you actually use the resources to equate those who have not to those who already have without creating favoritism or discrimination. So we would need to go back and, and look at those things that will really make us deliver to those who need. We have an issue which is banning in the country. Soon, people who came in, especially from the two non-states, uh, 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 combatants uh, bodies, who came in, who are now retiring still as privates and corporals because they did not get the opportunities to get uh, any promotion and therefore the pension is going to render them again worse off than they are now because right now some of them the barracks create a little between uh, uh, um, coverage so there are those things that we have to sit down and say so what are we going to do with this category of people? Do we just let them go with the 50,000 or the 200,000, which in today's day, they are not going to have anything. I think also that uh, when, we, when we talk about housing, we must also include the fact that uh, the premiers are being brought into play by the presidential task team. So before the administrators run right ahead, ahead of the discussions between the, the, the executive, it is always important for us to know exactly what you are discussing, Budiji, exactly what should we take there and formalize into agreements between the department and the provinces. And I would actually say that we we should be very careful on how we drag in local government, which has no business in providing for the welfare, but gets into the loop via the province and the national so that we, we don't end up running all over the show 
and messing up where we are thinking we are fixing things. So for me, the department has a very important role, but we need to go back and say, is this still the role that we want? Can we refine our role? And what do we do? But for me, uh, once we have adopted a budget, I'm very rigid about budgets. I hate bad budgetary uh, responses from the Auditor General. So for me, when, when you start deviating from what was agreed to, you need to have good cause. You need to be able to stand in front of the committee and in front of the house and say, um, I deviated here because I condoned this because. So yes, we are likely to lose more money this coming year, uh, end of the financial year, because there's no way we can agree that suddenly we are going to overshoot this budget because we will do wrong things if we are going to force uh, this expenditure in this last dying weeks of this financial year. So for me, you do the right things at the right time. You plan, you keep to your plans. You are disciplined. You have issues. You tell us we all approach um, Treasury so that I don't meet up with the Minister of Finance and say something else, and the officials are saying something else down there. And, and we come across as untidy and professional people who do not know what they're doing. So I'm, I'm saying we will fix the department, but the department must also respect that they do have the responsibilities to report. I do not want to see my name dragged into cases when I do not, I've not been told what this case is all about, that I have not even defended. Because if the minister is unaware, you are not defending default judgments are given against. And they set precedents, bad precedents. So we will fix things up, Chair. Um, we will have to do things as they are supposed to be done. What we will not do is ever come to you and give you glossy reports when we don't think we have glossy reports. We will admit to our shortcomings and we will undertake as I'm undertaking now to go and fix so that we really deliver. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Minister. Uh, <clears throat> well said. Uh, uh, colleagues, uh, I think um, we, it's the right time to attend the meeting and thank once again uh, the Minister um, for her remarks and um, uh, the, D, the DM uh, for his remarks as well and the DJ for the presentation. Um, <clears throat> we hope that next time uh, the situation will be better, will improve and uh, because um, if we are not assisting the department to improve then we may as well close shop um, we, we, because our role is oversight so that uh, uh, we assist in enhancing uh, performance. I'm happy with the remarks that the minister has made. It looks as though we are all in the right direction. Colleagues, with that, I'm not going to take the last uh, item now. Brian, I'm sorry, we'll deal with the minutes at the next uh, meeting. Um, I think it's the right point to adjourn the meeting. Colleagues, any disagreement?
Is any objection to me closing the meeting now? No, Chair. No, sir. <coughs> no, Chair. Thank you so much. I thank you, colleagues, for your concurrence. The meeting stands adjourned. Chairperson, can I just say thank you to the Minister for obviously raising her concerns? Uh, and obviously, you know, we as a committee and we as individual members will support her because our own our only um, objective is to have a better service to our military veterans, which certainly deserves more than than what they are are getting. Uh, and it's not only the fault of the department; it's also that of money. But to a large extent, it's because of management uh, of of the matter. So, thank you very much, Minister. Much appreciated. Thank you for that comment, uh, Mr. Mare. The meeting is adjourned. Recording stopped.